A serial killer goes on a rampage in a small town before disappearing for the night. He returns years later to kill seven teens who share the same birthday as the night he went missing. Hello, everyone. I'm Caleb Bajay. I'm Connor Azagari. And welcome to a new episode of Beyond the Bad. Today, we're talking about the Wes Craven written and directed horror film, My Soul to Take. I want everyone to know it took me a long, long time to come up with that plot synopsis because I couldn't follow a goddamn thing while I was watching this movie. Uh, you don't understand what I mean if you've seen it. This is a film that would mark his return behind the camera after a five-year absence. Um, this last film he had done was uh, Red Eye. And um, as far as written and directed, though, his this was his first feature doing both in over 15 years. So that last one, for those who are running, was New Nightmare. Unfortunately, all that ob- very obvious hype, especially for Craven fans, uh, this one equal box office, more critical success. Quite the opposite. Um, it was a bomb, quite a bomb at the box office, and critically reviled. Like it's it's bad. I'll let I'll shoot it's Connor here in a minute, like for that part. But uh, critical upon release, it's kind of become commonly put in the bottom tier of Russ Craven. Now it's not considered. It's considered one of his worst efforts by many, many uh horror fans. So on that note. Shoot over to Connor for that uh, score. I alluded to. I remember back when we were doing a Wes Craven ranking episode of the Sneak Preview, and you pretty much just told me like, "Don't, don't watch this. <laughs> like, just don't do it." And I didn't. And here we are. Uh, my soul to take is rocking a ten percent critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and a twenty six percent audience score. The critics' consensus reads. Dull, joyless, and formulaic. My Soul to Take suggests writer-director Wes Craven ended his five-year filmmaking hiatus too soon. Ooh, ouch. <laughs> the last thing was a bit harsh, but for once, I kind of agree with the first part. Yeah. I mean, New Nightmare was great. Red Eye was great. What happened? Like where where did this come from? Did Wes Craven write like did he watch Mean Girls and was like I could probably do that? Because that's what this that's the vibe I get here. Like this is ten percent horror, ninety percent teenage angst, and no one talks like a human being in this movie for that that teenage angst to even work. No, everybody talks in one liners, cliches, and like reflective shit, and that's just insane. It's, it was. Like 20 year olds with dialogue for 12 year olds. It, you know, I, I recently um, was listening to uh, a, a postmortem episode with Mick Garris. He had Jamie Lee Curtis on the recent episode for, you know, the upcoming Halloween Ends film. Or by the time this actually releases, it will be out. Um, but, you know, she talked about, you know, in her words, like, you know, you know, God bless John Carpenter. He's a great man. But 
the characters worked because of Deborah Hill and the, the great dialogue she wrote. But notice it was a female writing female dialogue. That's why it works so well. That's why to this day that dialogue is so good. This was admittedly a much older Wes Craven. He was already kind of like a deep, thoughtful thinker, if you ever see him in interviews. Yeah. Um almost like trying to see like write in a way that kids talk and i'm like kids do not talk like that it's like you could have just used someone that was younger have someone else look at it something to make much more hip dialogue here because what you it just feels like you are very out of touch with how teenagers talk it reminded me of that that meme where steve buscemi is in like a t-shirt with a skateboard he's like how how you doing my fellow kids it's it's that just turned into a movie um and by the way, I did. I went and saw Halloween Ends, and uh, spoiler alert, it's an accurate title. The film does indeed end. It'd be crazy if it didn't. Just wanted to make that clear. I would love if it just did not end. I would still be there. I'd be there tomorrow. You'd never see me again. And then I would never go, because then it's clearly <laughs> a trap. <laughs> uh, but it was pretty good. Just be prepared for something a little bit different. Um, yeah, it's... If you're writing outside of, you know, a group of people or an age group or a culture that you are not familiar with, talk to somebody of that group to get some notes on how that group acts. I mean, that's just, you know, basic. Uh, or you can just wing it because you heard your teenage, you know, grandson say something one time, which I feel is what Wes did here. So my grandson talks. That's how I think they all talk. <laughs> it's it's crazy it's crazy uh i can't believe this is the same man who made scream and the nightmare on elm street and the hills have eyes and the last house on the left like what what this is like his you know talentless twin brother stole his career for a few years it did i you you know you were the subject of my text it was just like i was losing my mind i'm like there's no way this is the same guy who i've adored because of things like the house of eyes last house on the left people on the stairs serpent in the rainbow shocker uh obviously scream nine one after you know his big hits that people know and love so much um but i'm like this is not the same guy who is this and but then i say this all the time you know craven craven's been one of those guys that i fucking you know no matter what i'll adore his work and what he's done before but the few times that he has missed my lord, does he go out? Does he go just as big on those messes as he does his hits? Yeah, it's like uh, in Signs, Joaquin Phoenix character, you know, has like the best, you know, batting average in the entire town. And like the scouts were, you know, really hoping to grab him. But then somebody points out, like, yeah, he also has the major, like the minor league strikeout record. Like, he's amazing when he hits, but when he doesn't hit, goddamn, does he miss that shit? <laughs> <laughs> Does it one take away from the other? I don't know. I don't think so. But, you know, when you're thinking of like Austin likes to say, you know, like when when you're thinking of legacy, it all counts. And that's why, like, people like Daniel Day-Lewis have a big, you know, a better legacy than like Robert De Niro, who did movies like Dirty Grandpa. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, we, I was on that. So we talked about that. And I get where Austin's I do understand absolutely where Austin's coming from. I know my my take was more of like. No matter what, as long as you do something, you know, like, and I, I think my example, and it was just because it was recent. There was all the, the hate talk coming out with uh, his film at the time, The Monsters. 
But, you know, I mentioned Rob Zombie, and I was like, you know, you say what you want about how you feel about his work as a director. He still did House of Thousand Corpses. He still did Devil's Rejects. He left yeah. fucking impact on that era of horror that too is being felt to this day. So his legacy may not be as big as some others, but it's still a legacy. He still has something. It's more than I'm fucking doing. <laughs> I agree. Like, I don't think that, you know, my soul today can curse, like, erases Freddy Krueger. In no way does that does that happen. Mm. However, this movie sucks. And oh, it yeah, sucks so sucks. hard that it does, like, it makes him lose some points for me. Because this was all him. This was written and directed by... This is I, like this, this is, is the case where I was like, I kind of understand where Austin's coming from because he wrote, directed this, and the fact that he has defended the, he defended the shit out of this film until the day he died, I'm like, dude, just admit you did a bad movie. <laughs> I would love to hear him defend this. I want to hear what he said. Like, what is his defense? I don't know. I got to look that up. It's on Wikipedia. <laughs> it's actually very easily defined. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, this is interesting. This is one that like I never heard about honestly until like you you talked to me about it. I didn't know this was Wes Craven, and now if, if, unfortunately I do. Yeah, this was one other when I was first getting into um my horror websites like Bloody Disgusting. I this was around the time this film was coming out. I remember them reporting on it and them being like, "Hey, Wes Craven's coming back," and the hype for it was just like, "Oh my god, it's Wes Craven." Um, and then I remember when it came out and all the sites were like, oh my God. <laughs> and it just like, it just quietly disappeared. No one talks about it. Cause then I was like, Hey, Rusker's going back for screen four. Oh, thank God. <laughs> Jeez. I wonder if it was a little bit of like, you know, ego. I wonder if that got, you know, in the way, I mean, he did make, you know, scream and Freddie and, some like iconic timeless movies. I wonder if he was like, I've still got it. How can you lose it? And he just wrote the first draft and was like, everyone's going to love this because I'm Wes Craven. And it's not the Weinstein. So no one's going to butcher my script. I know this is one case where I'm like, I wish a producer had taken a look at this. <laughs> Are you saying you wish Harvey would have been like, look, Wes, remember what we did to curse? I said a producer. I didn't say Harvey. <laughs> Make that very clear. I don't give a fuck what that sick bastard did, does or did. He can go fuck himself. <laughs> but somebody needed to look at Wes's draft and be like, "Are you? Are you sure? <laughs> you want to? You want to punch this up? Is that your do final you, answer? Do you really think teenagers talk like this? The Fang Zone? Are we? Are we keeping that? Are we going to explain anything in this opening and what the fuck's going on? No. Right. Okay. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, this is this is quite an adventure. It is. And this actually kinda is a good way to lead into my first question. I have two. One's a little bit more film oriented and one's a little bit more fun. So we'll do the first one since we're talking about Craven. And that is obviously, you know, we both have seen our fair share of us Craven. Um, you know, you know how big he was to me and my love for horror. I do, you know, never forget when I got that damn text from you and I went through all the emotions like I lost a family member um, about that tragic day in horror history. Uh, so with that said, um, kind of going off of what we've been talking about, what are some pros and cons 
talk a little bit about both that you've noticed in Craven's uh, work throughout the years. Hmm. That's a, that is good. I like that. Um, he let's start with prose. His work is remarkably creative and original. Uh, the, the movies he was able he, like, that he did come up with don't have counterparts. There is no, you know, Freddy Krueger light. There is nothing like the Hills have eyes. There's nothing like last house on the left. Even <laughs> shocker. Like I can honestly say I've never seen that done elsewhere. Like he definitely comes up with unique, cool ideas that almost always deliver. Even like, you know, recent, like as in recent as red eye, which is such a really cool, realistic horror film of just, you know, being in the wrong place at the wrong time and, you know, running into the wrong person is that movie gets under my skin because of how I feel like it has happened and could happen again. Um, cons. <laughs> I do think he, when it, he can be his own worst enemy sometimes when it comes to his, his bad work. Uh, you know, films like my soul to take and cursed and you know, early on, like deadly blessing when he trips, he falls completely down the stairs because his his bad work is horrendous <laughs> there is not a lot of middle ground with Wes it's either masterpieces or shit you will never watch again uh, <laughs> it sucks but that's that's what I've noticed with you know when it's bad it's really bad uh, I wish he'd stepped outside of horror a little bit you no know, he did one non-horror movie and that was 1999's music of the heart which was a cute little you know biopic about an inner city violin program directed by Wes Craven is not the phrase you expect to see attached to that movie uh, but it works it was cute it was nice it was sweet it was endearing I wanted to see more of what he could do outside of horror he had you know he was just a very creative mind who could tell really cool stories and what do you, you know, if he'd applied that to like action or sci-fi fantasy, even more dramas, I think we could comedy. I mean, what we could have gotten could have been like a really well-rounded filmography that I think everyone, he could have been one of those guys who like really has like, you know, a foot in every single genre. And yeah. I think like if he tried that instead of doing some of these shit films, I, I wish we, you know, we could have gotten some cool stuff. Yeah. I'm with you. That was, that was pretty good. Uh, no, I'm with you. I, but my well, my pros, um, it's a little bit of what you said. His like kind of like his risk taking. He's wanting to do with his films, and just tell really cool. Not a lot of directors do, or even if they could, I don't think they could pull it off quite the way he would. Um, but also, I think a big thing for me, I've touched on before a lot of times in my in my reverence for Russ Craven. That's the respect he's always given um, to the genre, to his fans, to the you know he puts a lot of respect. A lot of passion into um these things and it's evident even in his like even in his misses you know these you, you can tell he's putting it all into it and i have to i have absolute respect for that from my pros it's just the yeah the the respect is in with with his work i respect anyone who can you know make something horrible and i'm sure at some point realize like this car is gonna crash and I can't hit the brakes. So I guess, you know, let's just ride or die this bitch. <laughs> I bet he had those moments of like, this is going nowhere and this could be it for me. But God damn it, I'm making this movie. 
I will see this to completion. Yeah. I, you know, that's, that's interesting. It's, he's a very unique talent in that way. Like, like I stand by that, you know, I've never seen anybody like take on voodoo the way he did with the serpent, the rainbow. It's a really cool Wes Craven flavor. He brought to that story. And that's, you know, same goes with everything he ever did. Even my soul to take, like you can tell it's a Wes Craven movie. Oh yeah, you can you can tell one of his um some like uh the people on the stairs uh one I've seen you know late in life actually it was like this year for a Russ Craven thing I watched it um ended up being a, a a newer favorite of mine that I've seen of his that I was like wow it's just what he did and the things he implies in that movie and like what he's going for and like the juxtaposition of like some like you talking about the comedic moments with the and like that film just worked for me so much. Um, I just don't think anyone like anyone outside of Wes Craven could have pulled that off. You know, he he just knew how to pull that movie off and make it all work, which is why I think the remake that's been talked about for so long has never gotten off the ground because you I don't think anyone can has been able to crack it the way he did. Yep, that's if I feel the same way about John Carpenter. It's like you can't remake his work because it's his work. This is his style. This is his film and anybody who tries to put their mark on it will make something that looks like oh you know a Wes Craven film but it's not a Wes Craven film mm. you can't do that you can't capture lightning in a bottle twice no no not at all and you know the, and even then with the stuff they have remade right like the hills of us house on left both those remakes work because Wes Craven was a producer on those movies and he had a lot of input I'm not saying he said this is how the film's going to be but he had input. The directors are very, you know, Aja and I actually, forgive me, I forget who did Last House on the Left. It's been a bit. Um, but from what I understand, they actually had reference for the original material and were approaching with like, we liked what you did originally, but how can we update this, bring it into a modern setting? So there was good intentions on their end. Craven was actually involved throughout the process. That's why it worked. Then you got, you know, Nightmare on and he wasn't involved. They clearly didn't give a shit and you saw what happened. <laughs> um, it just felt like a pill imitation. Um, and yeah, I do like you bring up Copner because those those two kind of go hand in hand for me as far as like my my burgeoning love for horror. So I got into a lot of their work and just what those two, both those guys are magical. And also for those who saw the recent uh, article interview John Carpenter did, give that man the movie he wants to fucking make. God damn it, <laughs> give me a John Carpenter directed Dead Space movie. I've played all three games. I can't wait for the remake. Give him that movie. I love when they asked him about elevated horror and A24 movies and they started listing like Hereditary and The Lighthouse and he just straight up went, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> He's, he doesn't keep up with, with that stuff. I, I love his bluntness in interviews. He's like, I... He's like, he's like, man, I'm in my 70s. I don't give shit <laughs> what I tell you in this interview. Yeah. He doesn't need to be here. He doesn't need to do any of this. Anything he does from this point on is just him wanting to do something instead of like having a nap that day. He doesn't care. I love that. Yeah. I hope I get to that point in my life where I've made something that will last forever. And the rest of my life could like really just, you know, doesn't kind of up for grabs. Batman spent years just content with smoking and playing video games and watching basketball. And then they finally convinced them to start doing some music for Halloween. He's like, all right, I guess I'll come out and do the music for these movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, it's awesome. I Car- John Carpenter is one of my heroes just because of, you know, what he created and what he had to go through with the studios is a constant decades long disrespect. And then finally just being like, fuck it, I don't need this. Yeah. And just, and just bounce it. And then technically still having that disrespect because now he's telling you exactly what he wants to do, what would make him come back. And they're going, oh, oh, oh hold on, let's not give you that. Even though we're greenlighting every every video game adaptation under the sun currently, not that one. Oh, uh, like oh, okay, so it hasn't hasn't gone away. I see. Um, uh, as far as my my con, and I, and this one I'm picking because of mostly because of this movie to an extent, Shocker and Serpent in the Rainbow, but I think those films work that better much more than this one did. Um, and that is admittedly Craven. And I'm one of those I know I always say, like, no, you don't need a spoon feed me the information. Sometimes had a tendency to tell a story about giving you the information, and it just made his films more confusing than they needed to be. Again, in the case of Shocker, that film's so ridiculous and out there, and you have like Mitch Pelegi giving it his fucking all that that works. Okay, again, Serpent Rainbow, he doesn't do a lot of explaining, but he knew how to make that one work. I can't explain it, but it just works in that movie really, really well. And you pick up as you go along anyway. If you're going to give me a, a nail through a scrotum, frankly, the story is secondary at that point. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm at your mercy. Do whatever you need to do. I remember that when we have to do Eli Roth movie on film. And you have to sit through hostel. I did sit through hostel. I kind of liked hostel. I know you kind of like Tostal. Oh, okay. You read my reviews? So, the cons. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, in this case, he does it again where he doesn't really, like, I, I, I implore anyone to try to tell me if they can make any sense of the opening of this film. Um, fucking try me without having read on Google, please. Um, but not knowing avoiding wikipedia going into this like hey no i don't want i know it's been out for a while i don't want spoilers this is a fresh new film i haven't seen yet i had no fucking idea what was happening those first 10 minutes and the film at no point afterwards bothers to explain i love that they just have this like random cop who's like oh yeah i'm my family's from haiti let me tell you about souls like what (laughs) that's it's a little lazy yeah so Admittedly, not a lot, but admittedly, when Craven decided not to tell you the story beats, it would lead to moments of just me going, the fuck is going on in this goddamn movie? Yeah, I'll give you that. Like, why was, you know, why was the main character's name, like, Bug? Would have figured it'd be Condor or something. Why was the Condor even important? <laughs> why? Oh, so much about the fucking Condor. Uh, yeah, it was... What's with the weird hierarchy of this school? Why is everybody worshipped like his bitch sister? Like, what is this place? Yeah, what is with this? Like, do the seven have some kind of weird, like, holy, like, they can't be touched thing going on at this school? Like, what the fuck? Not really. Like, they weren't even friends. Why was this in Riverton, the town from Inspector Gadget? Like, there's so much going on here that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, dear God. Oh, it's already my brain thinking about it. But yes, that that is probably my biggest 
con that it luckily doesn't pop up a lot. I'm not gonna say it. and I mean admittedly in a lot of stuff it doesn't pop in, it's the stuff you didn't write in direct for me completely fucking honest with myself. Um <laughs> but uh when it does pop up, I'm still sitting there going like Wes, come on man. I I I appreciate you having faith in your audience, but you can't only be vague so much. <laughs> like I need I need something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're right. It's, I do think it is very much just like, you know, what are you going to do at this point? I think he, maybe the effort just wasn't there because he, he made his masterpieces. I think there is something to say, like some directors, I think, just lose it because they've already, or at least they believe they've already done the films they're going to be remembered for. So at this point, it's like, you know, once it gets made, am I like, does it really matter? Are you saying that's why you went back to Screen Four, the Screen franchise, Screen Four, and why I think Screen Four is actually a good film? Because I think like, he did Screen oh, Four because he did My Soul to Take, and everyone was like, "What the fuck were you thinking?" And he's like, "I gotta, I gotta do one more." <laughs> I think there was a bit of that. It's like people love Scream. Maybe I can give him another Scream. Maybe I can make him scream one more time. <laughs> he technically, kind of did. It did well enough to eventually get another film. Yeah, we got five Cream, which was a dutiful and respectful you know uh in memoriam to wes's career it was and we're getting whatever they are going to call this next one next year i personally hope they just go all out and call it scream too and fuck with people if halloween 2018 taught me anything is that we can have multiple films in a franchise with the same fucking name it does not matter anymore (laughs) why bother trying to name it something different All right, well, I let's go ahead and move on to the second question. So now this was a little bit more fun. So I kind of want to talk about what I feel like this film's talking about, but again, I'm not even entirely sure. But the film kind of talks about, obviously, you know, it's a small town and they have a local legend. I got that much out of this movie. Um, we both grew up in a small town. You know, you were a small town in Maryland before you moved over to... Good old Blanco, Texas, which is also a small town. I've spent since the second grade my whole fucking life in Blanco, Texas. Um, and so kind of touching on the appeal, really, that this film speaks out to of like small towns and the local legends they have surrounding them. Um, what I kind of on a fun side, of the, what, what do you think is the fascination kind of we have growing up to discuss these local legends in our small town, test, the, you know, test them out sometimes if it's that oh, the creepy house type of deal, you know what I mean? What do you think is like the fascination, especially with kids, more so than adults, with these legends? I think we all want to think the place we come from is special. That, you know, the world is more fantastic than it really is. So we create these stories and legends of, you know, a place close to us. So we feel like we have something that no one else has. Like our town has something that no one else has. Uh I had there was my small town in in Maryland Cascade. I had a uh, couple people tell uh, we had a local legend about an abandoned gas station. Uh, It was a BP station right across the street from my aunt's house, and there was a legend that there was a man in that who lived in that gas station, and he, anytime someone disappeared, it was it was the man in the gas station. They, the name they had for him was so dumb that I didn't believe it just on the strength of the name. They called him Bloody Murray. 
right from there, I was like, yeah, I don't believe this. <laughs> but <laughs> it was, yeah. So we had that. We had the the the, the abandoned gas station and the, the murderer who lived in it. But you know, it was Cascade, Maryland, was like two, like you know, a tiny ass mountain town. There were like like fifty people, if that. So we didn't have much. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Jesus, God, bloody Murray. Uh, I remember in Blanco, the big thing I know growing up was that apparently the at the elementary school, um, that the like the gym and the um, the music buildings were haunted for because uh, I don't know you didn't go to the elementary right you came when you were in high school right yeah All right so the elementary I don't know if you ever saw it there's like the, there was a main elementary building and then outside of it were other buildings so the gym was a separate building and where we went to do music in like fourth and fifth grade when we had to take it that was its own separate building also so teachers had to like you know take you over there because it was going out of the building um, even like when I remember when I did fifth grade there, it wasn't in the elementary school. It was fucking an extension outside the elementary school, its own set of buildings that we had to go to. It yeah. Good old fifth grade. Um I'm sure the teachers probably loved it. If I was staff there, I'd be like, we have our own little building. Like, yeah, even the hell out of that school. Um, but you know, the big rumor was, you know, that the fucking the the music building and the gym were haunted and you know if you stayed there you know out you know after hours if you could even pull that off because i mean they locked the shit and you know i'm sure cops patrolled the area um was that you know the shit was haunted and a bunch of creepy stuff happened and you know people had stories but no actual verification for these stories so it, you know it I said do i i i i would now that i'm older i'd love to actually kind of because honestly like with those buildings being separate, they were kind of creepy. You know, I remember the music building, like, it didn't have the best lighting, and, like, it was, like, all it was, was, like, a main room for the music, and then, like, hallways with small rooms, I'm sure a teacher's room somewhere in, like, the bathroom, so it wasn't exactly, like, it was kind of a creepy building. <laughs> so I'm sure at night, that'd be a fun ghost hunting thing to do, but I wasn't going to fucking go to goddamn school at night. That's weird. <laughs> I had my own kind of local legend uh, back in Maryland. We lived next to a decommissioned uh, military base, uh, Fort Ritchie. And we would go there for, you know, take walks, walk the dog and whatnot, go over to Fort Ritchie. And Fort Ritchie had this giant lake that I became convinced had a monster in it. Because when I was like 11, I found a giant snakeskin right outside that, like on the banks of that lake. And I became convinced, like, there is a sea serpent in there, and it's going to get me. So I would avoid the lake, if possible. I would never go walk near that lake, because I thought the fucking kraken was going to come out and, like, grab me with a tentacle and pull me in. Because, you know, I was a child with an overactive imagination. <laughs> and then I thought Bigfoot lived in the woods next to my house. Oh, my God. I remember uh, for Blanco, we, there was the big, there was, like, the... It's something you made fun of once you got to like high school, but there was like the rumor that there's an alligator in the Blanco River that persisted for fucking decades. There, <laughs> there's not, there's, there's not any alligators in the in the Blanco River, but that 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 was a big thing that, and then you would make fun of it a lot when you were in high school, like, oh, let's go swim to the river, don't get eaten by the alligator. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, you know. I wonder what like 
places like uh you know like the like the pine barrens in jersey and like you know the place where mothman lives i wonder what the you know what's the like it, it, like you know the let's go fuck with the jersey devil you know rite of passage thing that like the high school in that area has if they, if they do something like that i'm sure there, i'm sure there's something like i said it's you know, and I kind of wish the film had actually done a better job of just handling this whole aspect. This is something that I've kind of noticed. You know, every town seems to have their 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 legend, their boogeyman, their thing that is usually kept alive thanks to like overacted, you know, like I said, over you know, active imaginations of kids growing up, and then them getting older and went testing it out. Like, oh, let's test it out. Um, so I, I kind of wish the film had just explored that a bit more. Uh-huh. Yeah, instead of just you know putting a mask on a Randy Savage lookalike and just having him hunt down a specific group of teenagers, kept hearing, like- kept hearing to, I kept expecting to hear like, "Oh yeah, brother," at some point, but it didn't happen. No, no, dear God, no! He did have a <laughs> God the the voice. I I'm not even gonna get into it right now. God damn it! Yeah, that was uh, that was my second card. Just you know, have a little fun, talk about uh, local legends growing up. Um, those were the ones I remember off the top of my head in Blanco. Can't remember if there was any any more. Um, off the top of my head, I mean, it's not really even a legend, but in case anyone was wondering, you know, there was um, we had more of like the, we had our celebrity, quote unquote. Uh, anyone ever wondered what happened to Shelley Duvall? She's in she's in my hometown, Blanco, Texas, and uh, everyone has a Shelley Duvall story of the stuff that's come out of her mouth. Um, yeah, I've heard some stuff. I don't want to get into it here, just in case. Like, I'm still not entirely sure what constitutes a defamation lawsuit. No, <laughs> so, I'm not gonna say it, but yeah. <laughs> I know I know my dad. Uh, he 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 does have a story. He ran to her once, and he was just like, "Oh dear God." Yeah, I had a one of my friends told me about a time like she like showed up at Sonic and shit got weird. <laughs> so uh there's a bird involved. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, but yeah, Shelly Duvall. That's that's also I love when I hear like I see pieces on her about like what happened to her, and they're always like she's in a small Texas town. They won't ever name the town. Like, just say it. It's like the one thing we got. Come on. <laughs> just say it. <laughs> Yeah, I guess she, you know, and anonymity is like all she's got left. You know, people would just harass her. Like, I don't think, maybe not. I don't think she's got that kind of clout anymore. Not, not, or not way out in Texas where she lives. I don't think so. No. Nah, she, she's, <sighs> yeah, that's a whole can of worms. <laughs> yeah. Um, big can of worms, but hey, we got it. Um, so on that note, I don't, uh, Unless you get more to add, unless we want to, I don't think we really want to go that far into Shelley Duvall because of defamation and things like that, obviously. Um, I think we're over, I, I think we might be, you know, overestimating her ability to like know what a podcast is. I think we'd be fine, but yeah, let's let's go, let's move on. <laughs> on that note, development hell, it's another week and another, not a whole lot of stuff, but I did find some interesting tidbits. All right, starting with the casting. Uh, originally, uh, the only thing I got out of note for this was that originally, instead of Max Theriot, Dennis Hopper's son, Henry Hopper, was actually um, the original pick for the lead role of Bug. He would get replaced by Theriot, though, due to Hopper contracting 
mononucleosis. Mononucleosis. Yeah, so, like, wait, did the kid contract that? Yeah, the kid. Henry Hopper contracted it. I kind of look more into it because on the Wikipedia, his name wasn't highlighted to click on. So I was like, well, shit, what happened to him? Damn, I guess that uh, maybe that this this was the uh, career that never happened because of this movie. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Theris had a career. He was on Bates Motel. So that's what I recognize him. I know he's had um, work since then. Oh, yeah. Oh shit! He was accused of rape. That's not good. Oh my god! Well, okay. Well, that, that's all I had at the time was he was sick, and that's why they replaced him. Raping a minor too. This just gets worse. Anyway, okay, that's move on. Oh, wow, wow, we are coming down some rabbit holes early in this show. Um, Eesh. all right. Well, after that, not after the after he got the the disease and you know replaced with Max Theriot. Uh, the rest of the cast would come along pretty smoothly. No issues there. Um, production would begin April 2008 on the, under the original title. And I do remember it being reported as this when I first heard about this. Under the original title of 25 over 8. 25 slash 8. How do you want to call it? Why? That's, that's not a great title. I don't know why. This is supposed to be like the... British title, like rever- like the British date reversed. I I don't know. At first, like it's at first I was like that had to be the work title. And I was like, no, this was what it was announced with, and I was like, this was actual like on the script what that title was. Oh, I guess my soul to take makes more sense. But yeah, I got nothing on twenty five over eight. That's this is supposed to be someone's blood pressure because that that seems low. Pretty sure they're like very dead. I Jesus. <laughs> I uh, I don't know. I all I know is that that was the original title, and it had an October two thousand nine release set when they announced it with that title. I, do you think it would have done better with that title? I don't. I don't know. No, I think it would have done worse. I mean, like, how, how do you say it? <laughs> and what does it mean? And this film sure shit does not bother to describe tell you what that means anyway. Here, I'm gonna do the I'm gonna do the math. 25 divided by eight, 3.125. Think that means anything? I <laughs> I don't I don't know. So the title would later get changed to uh My Soul to Take, what it came out as, which makes a lot more sense from what I was seeing in the movie. Now I lay me down to sleep. Praise the Lord, my soul to keep all that jazz. Yeah, which is where they got from. You got from that that saying. Per everyone call that term. Um. So now I want you to tell me if any of this was in the final product. In March 2009, Craven described the killer as a figure who lives under the river, eats bark, and lives in the woods since his alleged death. Did any of that? Ring a bell in the film you watched. <laughs> uh I don't believe so, but then again, I checked out a few times. Yeah, I didn't see him eat bark. I didn't see any point where it was hinting he lived under the river. There was no like not like like well, because I the new one's coming out and I watched the original theaters. So there's no scene in like Halloween where they go and they see a dog 
in Meyer's house, and it's like, oh shit, he's been living here since he got back. And yeah. eating a dog is like, you know what I mean? Like things to set that up to go, oh shit. Um, and there's there's nothing indicating he lived in the woods. No shack, no camps, like nothing. Oh, there's just occasionally we see, you know, Randy Savage cosplaying as Victor Crowley kill somebody in a swimming pool. Oh yeah. Oh, God. Are you doing this because you wore that damn shirt? What, the cream of the crop? No, it's just he really did remind me of Randy Savage. He just he looked like a wrestler wearing a Halloween mask. And then it ended up being like a scrawny kid, and they never explained why, he, as a killer, he was like seven feet tall. Because <laughs> Supernatural has the Supernatural, I guess. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> ah, all right. God damn it. Yeah, I didn't I didn't see any of what was described for the killer in the final product, but I was also kind of tuned out quite a bit. Pretty much after the opening scene, I'm like, oh boy, it's, it's not gonna get better from here. Um all right, so along with this title change, it would also be soon announced that the film would get delayed a whole year and come out in October 2010 instead. Now, apparently, now I don't know if this what I'm about to say means that what we saw is better than what was originally shot because apparently this delay was due to extensive reshoots of the opening scenes and a majority of the third act after negative test screenings. You telling me this was worse? I guess. And this is, I don't know if he got mad and he didn't want to reshoot. So he's like, well, I'm just going to make it worse. If if you don't like it, nobody gets to like it. Weird, weird hill to die on there. I, I I don't know what happened. I'm like, wait a minute. So that they had him rechange it because of negative. T- I mean, I, granted, I get. I don't for those who have their saying about test screenings. I'm with you. I think for the most part, we they're fucking done terribly and don't ever reflect the actual audience. But for them to be negative cross board on those specific moments, and then you go, okay, cool. Let me reshoot those then. Or oh, the studio probably tell them, hey, you got to reshoot these. Uh, which is probably what happened. Um, and then you still somehow give me a shitty opening and a also shitty third act. I'm like, how how do you pull that off? <laughs> well, maybe a director who is knows how to make great horror movies knows what to do, you know, how to do the exact opposite and purposefully make something that sucks. I mean, if goes to show like if you can make something great if you just do the exact opposite of all that you end up with something really shitty so maybe that was the that was the plan here just to make the worst thing possible so they could they could convince them to come back to scream maybe this was like like the producers make something that's so horrible that bombs so hard and then you bet against it and you have enough money to make the movie you really want to make (laughs) this this was a this was a scam wasn't it? <laughs> He's like, if I do this, I can finally do Scream 4. <laughs> I, you know what? I'm, that's what I'm going to choose to believe. That this was Wes Craven's intent to flop this movie and then bet against it and then make Scream 4. God. <laughs> <laughs> that's why he's so uncharacteristically proud of it. Because it made it, it, it worked like a charm. <laughs> it got him what he wanted. Ah. But not the audience. <laughs> oh, uh, 
so yeah, so they apparently they you know pay reshoots because of terrible test screenings. Um, also they delayed it as well because this was shot in 2D right now. It's 2010. What came out a year prior in 2010, or a year prior to 2010? I believe Saw 3D. No, Avatar. Oh shit! What was happening in this fucking time period? Yeah, I always forget because I didn't care. <laughs> no one cared but studios. So, <laughs> yep. Originally shot, they this was shot in two D. It did what a lot of this 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 bullshit did at the time, and that was get post converted to three D. This is rising popularity of three D films at the time. I don't remember a single like, you know, knife at the screen moment or anything like that. Like, this wasn't well, made it, for three D. That's and that was like one of the biggest issues at the time, right? With why I, I'm because I hated this craze with a fucking passion. Because films that were shot in 3D is how you got like Saw 3D, which I don't even really like Saw 3D all that much. But, um, or actually, that may have been pushed for too. But either way, sometimes like the filmmakers, even if they in this case, I don't think he was told it just happened. That was the issue with post converting. It was one thing to get the cameras shooting in 3D, like okay, like my bloody Valentine 3D. That they purposely shot in 3D. They intended to do it in 3D, so they made sure to have shots that were 3D, right, and go with it. Whereas in like this film, uh, I, th- I, I not necessarily saw 3D because I think they they intended to post convert anyway. Because that's everything. If you tend to post convert, you still made sure to shoot it in 3D, even in 2D. So then the post convert would work properly. But if it was like this, like my soul take, where it was like it's very evident they had zero. Rescreen had zero intentions to do 3D. It was probably a studio mandate, like, hey, we're fucking doing 3D because that shit's selling, and I don't... This movie sucks. We gotta do something. <laughs> <laughs> and, um... So he just... They put probably post-converted it without him really intending to shoot it that way. Hence why, if you watch it, you're like, I don't understand. Nothing feels 3D. I didn't even know it was supposed to be 3D. Nothing gave me that vibe at all. Exactly. Usually you'll have like a, you know, look at that moment where like somebody points right at the screen and it's like, whoa. And when you're watching it at home, non 3D, it just looks ridiculous and pandering. Nobody thinks yeah. about that part. Yeah. Texas Chainsaw 3D. Uh, <laughs> but uh, well, and again, like I said, if it was ever like they shot it with the 3D camera. So during the process are like, hey, we're going to post convert. But they had that talk in pre pro. So then they could shoot, even though they're shooting with 2D cameras, it was still doing it done with 3D in mind down the road. Yeah, at least it would look good when you go see it in theaters. Obviously, yeah, you have the the corniness when you buy it and watch it at home without the 3D. Um, or you, I'm not even going to get into like the sh- dumb shit that's come out of Cameron's mouth with 3D recently and the TVs weren't ready and you haven't truly seen Avatar. Yeah, <laughs> that wasn't the point. Are you planning on buying all of Wes Craven's movies? No. Uh-huh. Just just making sure. I don't know where that question came from, but I was just thinking about it. Like, is this a director who's who you want to complete your collection with? In which case, like, are you gonna buy my soul to take at some point? No, maybe shut up. No. <laughs> but uh in this case, the and this was the biggest issue with the 3D craze was a lot of films were shot in this way, which was they didn't do 2D. The studio mandated 3D, so they did a fucking post. They forked out the money for a post conversion. And then you had a 3D film that if you watch it at home, you're not going to fucking notice because it wasn't shot that way. 
And then even worse, and this one for those poor saps that bought the fucking 3D ticket are sitting there going, this 3D sucks. Nothing's coming out. Yeah, because they never intended it to be that way. It was a studio thing, which I think is what happened here. Do you remember the 3D TV phase? Yeah, thank God we never got one. My my dad bought one. And is pretty, I think he still has it. Like does he, you, does he, he owned that, that shit. I don't, I don't know. But he was, yeah, he was bragging about that. I got to find out if he still has that TV. God, I, I bring up Cameron because I don't know if you've been seeing some, like, it's like Avatar 2 is coming out and like, he's like, I have to be as douchey as possible again in interviews. And, and like, man, the comments, man, it's like all the 3D TVs, they just, they didn't, they couldn't keep up with the technology and it's all in those non, because the, the Nintendo 3DS does 3D without the glasses, but you can like, it's a thing you can adjust on the, on the DS on the screen. That's weird. Yeah, it's actually, it looks pretty cool. It's one of the biggest, it's pretty cool, but and he's like, they need to do it like that. But I'm like, no, it's because it's, you're, you're a fucking idiot thinking people want to go home and put on glasses when half the time they don't even want to do it at the theater because no one's taking into account the people that wear fucking glasses. I wear contacts usually, but you know, people that wear fucking glasses and don't want to put those damn things on. What I did appreciate with the newer 3D glasses is they did fit over my glasses. Yeah, the newer ones are good. And I also like that we're, we moved on to clear 3D glasses opposed to the, the, red oh, the, the red and blue shit never made any sense to me. I, I saw Spy Kids 3. Oh, sorry. Spy Kids 3D game over in uh in the red and blue 3d and hated the movie because i hated the experience <laughs> i hate how many films like they were just called so something something 3d it's like you don't need to put it's like you don't need to put on title it's okay it's kind of like how the, the new thing i noticed is spirit halloween the movie okay no shit i don't need it to be called the movie or the newest the new one we just got the trailer for it the super mario Bros. movie of no shit just drop movie I understand what I'm watching, you assholes. I just, I, I, I imagine it's for like one person who's going to see it and they're like, oh, I love, I love the Super Mario Brothers. Who's got the controller? And then like it starts and they're like, this is a movie. I, did you know that? Did you know this was a movie? They're saying it's a movie. I love the idea of someone at the theater turning around going, who has the sticks? Come on. Don't hold on. I got next. You, I you hear me? Stuff. I got next. For those who are not game savvy, when you say sticks, the controller. <laughs> I imagine, you know, when they're doing these, you know, when they're pitching titles, when they're making like the marketing materials, they got to take into account every demographic. And there are idiots out there who don't realize they're watching a movie, apparently. So right. that's who that's for, I guess. Yeah. And then apparently, and this is a good, nice little way to get back to Cameron as well. Apparently, if you're Cameron, you know, there are also idiots that have only watched Avatar at home and haven't experienced it fully because you haven't seen it in the theater. I'm honestly surprised Cameron hasn't tried to market some kind of like brain implant that turns everything you see into 3D if you like think about it hard enough. And he's just like, people just got to get the implant. Then they'll see the, the movie the way it's supposed to be seen. If you're watching yeah. it without the implant, you're not even really I, watching it. Dude, I I, from, I remember when I, I thought, because Cameron's the only one that when I saw the headline for that article, I was like, there's no way this is click this is clickbait. This is Cameron we're talking about. He says dumb comments. <laughs> and I he clicked needs- on it, like Go ahead. And when I clicked on it and he was like, he's like, Yeah, you know, I you know, he's talking about the re-release, obviously, of Avatar One in theaters. And um 
He's like, yeah, it's just a chance for people to experience the theater again, which at first I'm like, okay, I'm fine. I get it. It's not like you're the only one putting out a re-release. And, you know, I went to go see Jaws and Trick or Treat. And, you know what I mean? I, I'm all behind re-releasing films, having a chance to see them at the theater for those who want to experience, you know, your favorite film. Absolutely. Um, But then he doesn't stop talking. He just keeps going with, yeah, you know, and those who haven't, you know, had the chance because maybe they weren't born yet or they were too young. They can't see in theater. They only see it on TV. And, you just haven't seen it if you've only seen it on TV because it has to be in theaters. I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure they saw the fucking movie, dude. Did I miss something where Avatar became this like cultural icon once in a lifetime moment that so many people missed in theaters? Like everyone needs to see Avatar or they haven't lived? Like when did that happen? I don't know. I... I saw Avatar twice at the movies. Guess what? Didn't change my life. I didn't start painting myself blue. I don't know what the fuck the Cameron's talking about. Yeah, I, I saw it once and moved on with my life. I saw, I saw it saw once it. and then I saw it again when my aunt invited me to the movies and forgot her credit card. So I had to pay for everybody. I was pissed. Yeah. I was like 13 and I'm like, that was my birthday money. I never got reimbursed. I'm still sore about that shit. No, I didn't want honestly, to see it. I'd already seen the movie. I, yeah, I only saw God damn it. I, I love the idea. Like, you should just bring that up randomly to me. I'm like, so what was that money? <laughs> What's my birthday money? Um, <laughs> just bring, remember that time? I, you'll see Avatar again. <laughs> you know what I'm going to do? I'll just invite her and my cousins to see Avatar 2, but I'll forget my wallet. <laughs> Problem solved. <laughs> God damn it. Now, luckily, I saw it once, uh, and it was with my aunt, my siblings, and my mom. So we all saw it at once. But uh, yeah, I just I, yeah, I'm like, when did this become a culture event? Also, dude, unless you put something new in the theater experience that like new footage that was on the on the Blu-ray, 4K, whatever. Like, no, man, they saw the movie. They just didn't see it the way you want to, but they saw the movie. <laughs> like, I want. I hope one day to be on a plane with James Cameron just so I can start watching Avatar on my phone and just watch him seethe. <laughs> he, he would say something. He would get involved. He would. There's so many directors I want to do something like that too. Like I would love to be in the same room like Nolan so I can put a movie of his on through HBO Max so I can just watch him seethe. Just start commenting like, oh, isn't streaming the best? Isn't it so convenient? I'm never going to a movie theater again. <laughs> it just... He might kill you, right? Just then be like, God, man. And then just start essentially critiquing him. Like, man, you were so much better pre-Batman. And like, God, Memento and the Dark Knight trilogy and Prestige, so good. What happened when you decided to do things like Inception and Dunkirk? Like, what the fuck was that? Like, just start going in, watching him just get angry. Can I ask you a question about Tenet? Sure. What the hell were you thinking? Hey, uh, why do you like putting your music over the dialogue so no one can hear what they're saying? It's because you're a bad screenwriter. <laughs> so I told my job that I only get to release product this month, but they told me I was crazy. So could you maybe back me up on this? Because <laughs> it worked out a, for you. Yeah. Could you throw a temper tantrum for me? Ask an obscene uh, amount of things, demand an obscene amount of things and see if that works in my favor also. Could you do that for me, pal? Oh man, yeah, it's 
it's this it's crazy to live in this little bubble where you're never told no and everybody says every idea you have is a genius one P- these people need somebody to tell them they're full of shit once in a while yeah well one the they it's both the entry to telling them not no but also like like okay so for example you know it obviously you know at work i'm not going to name any names because i don't know if this podcast but at work you know yeah, brought up like, oh, dude, Avatar two looks so good. And I kind of thought I was like, they asked me, you know, obviously, eventually gets asked what I think. So I'm the fucking movie guy, and I told, I know I'm, I don't lie, I'm honest about how I feel. I, you know, obviously, I know how to word things better. If it's people like, if it's not my like, like you or Josh, I can word it differently than with other people, because I know you guys understand me better, and know, you know, you know, if it makes sense, if that makes sense, um. So I just very diplomatic and just go like, oh, I'm not really interested. I, you know, I, I'm actually probably, I'm just, I just don't think it looks that great. I'm just not into, it. I didn't really, I didn't really want a sequel, blah, blah. And they're like, what and how? And I was like, do you guys really want me to like, and like how, like, and again, I was like, I'll, you know, staying calm, like what I really think about like this and like James Cameron, the guy directing it. And they're like, yeah, why, why don't you? I was like, look, and I'm trying to explain, I'm like, look, I am all about James Cameron pre Titanic. I'm like, fucking true lies, the abyss. You know, Terminator one and two, aliens, like I'm all about that shit. Like that man fucking hit when it came to story and special effects. I was like, but ever since Titanic onward, I haven't given shit because he does okay stories now with great special effects, but they're okay stories. And you know, again, trying to keep at that level because I'm like, I don't want to get too into this or not movie buffs like I am, blah blah blah. And of course, I kind of started back out of conversation when they were like, I'm failing to see your argument. I'm like, okay, see, this is why. He keeps getting shit because the studios don't tell him no, and you guys are just going, "Who might I'm shutting my brain off and not listening to anything negative so I can go see this movie?" Like, all right, I'm picturing you like that argument starting, and you're like, "I just don't really think Avatar two looks that great," and then five minutes later, an unmarked van pulls up, <laughs> three men come out of the back, tase you, and pull you in the van, and you just see like a license plate that says Cameron <laughs> and you're never seen again for like six months and you come back and you've got like a scar from brain surgery and you just have a glazed over look in your eye and you're like avatar two looks amazing. I have to tell everybody I know about avatar oh. two. <laughs> Even nosebleed, but you're not addressing it. Right. I should have just been, I should have been like, wait, you guys are working for him. Aren't you? Just, ah. I know, just as soon as I heard the I fairly see the argument, I, I tend to shut down when people do that because I'm like, okay, you're obviously not wanting to listen. And I'm like, you're just giving, you're just becoming the issue with some of these directors in that they know what they got. They have studios that don't tell them no. They got an audience that's always going to eat up their shit. And if you try to fucking have a civil argument of just like, hey, this is just how I feel because you're asking anyway. And then you're starting with I feel, oh, okay, then fuck off. Don't fucking ask me what I think. Or ask for details. Okay, I gave you very simple. Doesn't look great to me. Not not willing to it. <laughs> you ask yeah. for details. It is weird when people like are trying to force a, an argument. It's like, I don't want to play. Go away. I don't want to play. Yeah, and also it's like I know you guys. You're not film buffs like my fellow friends. So I really just don't want to have that argument. Whereas I feel like I can have that with you guys, like you, Austin, you know, Josh Colton, anyone, and it'd be a just be more fulfilling if that makes sense yeah that's what we try to create with these podcasts is a a safe environment to you know have opinions about certain movies that apparently in public you're not allowed to have opinions about 
Yeah, as soon as I saw it, I was like, okay, so you guys are... I'm just going to be probably the only one in this office not talking about fucking Avatar 2 come December. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, that's that's wild, man. I I don't know. Maybe I just don't... I don't tend to engage people that I feel like are going to be irritating to talk to. So I don't have a lot of these. These moments don't really happen to me. Well, like I said, once, 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 once it was like, once, once I heard like, I'm failing to see, I was like, okay, I know what that always means when people pull that in any argument, like I fail to see or it's like, well, okay, then I'm shutting down. Like I'm done. I'm not engaging because you're not wanting to see my side. You're hearing me, but you're not listening. I was not aware that this was, you know, a suck James Cameron's dick club. So, sorry yeah. if I didn't get the memo. I'll yeah. I'll leave now. And it's crazy because I didn't even saying and told him I was like pre-Titanic. Let's talk about him all fucking day. Oh yeah, pre-Titanic, post Piranha Two, the spawning. That's right, James Cameron. I didn't forget. Um, let's talk about it all day. But post Titanic, I'm not I'm not wanting to talk about Cameron all that much. I, I bet like on the on the set of Piranha Two, he was looking at like the dailies and he thought. Oh, if only these piranhas were blue and eight feet tall, then we'd have a movie. He was thinking about it for that long. I think he was. <laughs> if I can only raise the bar. James Cameron. Oh, right. <laughs> yes, we hear you, James Cameron. Oh, my God. Uh, all right. I'm reeling it back in. <laughs> it's amazing what 3D topic gets you to, because we live through... One the I know obviously in film there's been various phases in 3D and we but we happen to go through our own phases as young children. I, I love that you said we lived through it like it was some cataclysmic event. It, it fucking was. <laughs> we made it out alive. It was of all the things we've 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 all the cycles we've experienced in film. I think 3D is one of the worst fucking things. It was like some of the laziest shit, and then the fucking 3D TVs. I was like, fuck this phase, man. God damn. In 2008, I went to see Journey to the Center of the Earth 3D. Remember that movie with Brendan Fraser and uh, the kid from The Hunger Games? Yeah. I went to see it, and this there were three teenage girls behind me who were gasping. Like, they'd never seen 3D before. It was the most incredible event of their lives. I know, because they talked about it the whole time. <laughs> the movie opens with, like, a, a 3D shot of a cockroach or something, and they were like, oh, Oh my, oh my god look at that and i'm just like this is a two-hour movie i was 13 and i had the same exact mentality i have now of like these bitches are, are gonna do this the whole time yeah i have a lot of the same mentality that i had as a teenager um and that's usually when i hear something stupid comes on his mouth i just instantly get annoyed and i see red and get annoyed i've learned very i learned very quickly i'm not a people person <laughs> And my friends can attest to that. Yep. One of my favorite movie quotes of all time is from Men in Black. And it's Tommy Lee Jones says, a person is smart. People are dumb, panicky, dangerous animals. Yes. And I believe that. There are individual persons that I tolerate and enjoy and whose company I like to have. But people on the whole can go fuck themselves. Yes. <laughs> Especially the weird thing where I'm thinking about movie and hearing people, the fact that I keep... For almost every Halloween film that's come out, I keep getting stuck with a group that has to make a comment after the Halloween trailer airs. I have only one comment to give you. Evil dies tonight. In case you didn't get that memo. They made it pretty clear. 
they made it very clear in <laughs> Halloween Kills that Evil Dies Tonight, even though we all knew we were getting a, a third movie. Uh-huh. Maybe save that ma- mantra for part three, where it would make more sense. <laughs> but yeah. Instead, they went to me lazy with the saga ends, and I'm like, is this really a saga? <laughs> yeah, I'm th- yeah, I'm like, one, not a saga. Two, okay. I, like, I'm, no. You might be fooling some people here who are only aware of these three films, but don't try to tell me this shit's ending after this movie. I saw Resurrection. I've been in this shit. Don't think you can fuck with me. I've seen, I've seen Curse of Michael Myers. Okay. I've seen Resurrection. You watched the, you watched the producer's cut. You've been deeper in this shit than any of us. I ordered the 4K copy that is includes the producer's cut and also 4K of Halloween Resurrection. Oh my God. Why? I feel like you're going to pay for that in blood one day. Like that's, I mean, that's like a mortal sin. You bought those shit movies twice. <laughs> no, more than twice. Oh, dude. I had the DVDs prior. God damn it. Oh and man! I, I upgraded my collection to Blu-ray, and now I'm upgrading it to 4K. That's. I wish you hadn't told me that. I just lost a lot of respect for you. How dare you? <laughs> I don't know if I can carry on. Go get Josh. Make him do the rest of this. Uh, no. <laughs> he hasn't even watched this damn movie. You really have to to talk about this one. <laughs> Touche. Uh. Well, yes, you know what? Yeah, you know what? I am getting Halloween Resurrection, the Curse of Michael Miles on 4K. But with that is also H2O, which is awesome. I fucking love H2O. Um, and Army of Dark, not Army of Dark, yeah, Army of Darkness and Evil Dead 2013. Okay, so fuck off. And I'm going to be getting Return of the Living Dead when that releases next week off screen factory. So coming out with a 4K, and I did not realize the Blu ray was going to go out of print. So, in it, why well, I fucking can. Okay. Whatever you say. I love that you're like defending yourself. Like, no, I bought better movies too. I promise. I'm gifting you like only bad films. All these films I know you'll hate. All I'm gifting you from now on. Well, you are, you've already kind of started that. Spookies <laughs> is a masterpiece, and you just don't get it. Oh, <laughs> that's right. And I am going to somehow get um Austin to watch Spookies. So everyone on film guys has seen Spookies. You're gonna have to trap him in a chair, Clockwork Orange style, to make him watch Spookies. And frankly, I don't know if I can do that to him. I'm, I'm going to get him to watch it somehow so he can experience it. <laughs> if you could like splice it into like a Paul Thomas Anderson movie, you might be able to accident he might watch it by accident. It it starts out like um like a licorice pizza and then eventually farting farting monsters. Like 20 minutes of licorice pizza, spookies, and then the rest of licorice pizza. <laughs> I wonder if you you'd have you'd be like this is an odd this is an odd choice by, by PTA, but I get it. <laughs> uh say that with love but i i yeah there's a lot of times i'm like god i want to see what austin thinks about like some of these some of these movies i know i know he's not going to like but i just i'm always caring curious on his reaction um <laughs> yeah but uh with that said I, I, 
still saying by if you haven't had a chance to watch it yet, Austin, One Cut of the Dead, saying that is actually a pretty good movie. I agree. I did watch it. It was good. Uh, One Cut of the Dead. I'm going to keep hammering that home. It's October. Watch something new for October. So I, it's at least what I like to promote. Watch a new horror film you haven't seen um, around October time. Uh, Okay, where was I? We fucking diverged so hard from... <laughs> Whenever we drop name drop James Cameron or Christopher Nolan, we add another half hour to whatever episode we're doing. All it took was talking about how this got pushed converted to 3D. That's all it takes. (laughs) All right. Okay, here we are. So, as if this wasn't already kind of a bad sign, right? Really extensive reshoots, which again, in in the water film, reshoots happen. I know a lot of people like sometimes, like, oh God, then MCU films reshooting. That means I'm no, they. All films go through some sort of reshoot all, all the time. Um, very rarely do they not. Usually, you're like, like maybe like your PTA film, right? You're more smaller budgeted and need some stuff like PTA or Wes Anderson or Durst guys. They may not necessarily do reshoots as much, but I guarantee you they do some. Um, uh, so that's the first bad sign, right? And then there's the fact that they shot on 2D, but the stu- more like the studio was like, hey, let's cash in and do a 3D. Film. So now we have a film that wasn't even shot and it's a you know being post converted something it wasn't meant to be. Now for the third Rammy that should have told us everything we're about to get, and that is the one move the studios love to do when they have zero faith in something. They chose not to screen this film for critics. That was a mistake. <laughs> now, obviously, we all have our views on critics. Obviously, art is subjective, blah, blah, blah. I understand. But from a business standpoint, what I'm saying is in the mindset of the producers. And I, again, again, I know producers aren't always, they have proven time again, they're not the smartest people in the room. Um, when they're not screening something for critics, that usually tells you that even they, even those guys, don't have a lot of faith in the movie. I love. The idea of a producer watching the final cut of something and being like, no reporter must ever see this. <laughs> Somehow this needs to get right to the movie theater with nobody knowing about it. It's it's the fucking like kamikaze plane of films. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it, it happens so much that like, it's almost like, oh shit, they're not screening it. Oh God. What, what are they trying to hide from us? Like I said, you have your exceptions, you know. Like I said, obviously, you know, because because it, it's fresh in my mind because I saw it in theaters, uh, how the producers handled Trick or Treat, right? That's a fucking phenomenal movie that was just mishandled poorly. So yes, you have your exceptions, obviously, where it's, it's, they don't know what they're doing. But in this, in a lot of cases, when they're choosing not to screen it, that means even the dumbass producer is like, "Oh God, <laughs> what do we do with this?" The people who you know say stuff like Superman has to fight a big spider or this ain't happening. Yeah. Can you take out the water in your Aquaman script? Do we need all these gremlins? (laughs) Like they're the people who are like, Oh, this is bad. (laughs) Yeah. Those people who are, have a history of outrageous notes (laughs) given to their directors when they're even sitting there going, Oh my God, this is. Oh God, this must have just been. I don't think I've seen anybody in this movie in anything else. 
and yeah, I I get it. I get why. Like I said, Max there, he's done a lot of TV work. I think he's been doing more TV work. So he popped up in Bates Motel, which was after this. The uh the guy who plays Alex, his friend, I I did see him in something where I was like, oh yeah, oh, yeah, first cow. He was he was cooking in first cow. He's gone on to do a lot of dramatic stuff. Okay. So it's yeah, I know like so there yet, I know he's kind of done more a lot more TV stuff, you know, kind of been a little more low profile. Um, and it sounds like yeah, the one who plays Alex did more. So it sounds like they kind of went more of an indie route or a lot a lot of these people um that weren't the big names. Obviously, you know, you're you're going to recognize Frank Grillo. He, you know, he's now crossbones in the MCU. You're going to recognize the Nike, at least I hope you recognize the Nike Rare. He's also in the MCU and you know, spent years on the fucking Walking Dead. Um was not expecting Frank Grillo. I had a moment of like, that can't be Frank Grillo. There's got to be some 2010s, you know, macho dude who kind of looks like Frank Grillo. That can't be him. That no, was Frank Grillo. It was. It was Frank Grillo. I'm like, oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. But, he, but again, that's all these, the people you recognize were like the older established actors that went on to other stuff. And unfortunately, it seems like, like any horror films, like the teenage actors are the ones that are always seem to receive the blowback and you don't see as often if the film tanks. Well, most of the time, the teenagers are just there to be, you know, fodder. They're the ones, they're just there for the cool kills. A lot of them don't have substance because why bother injecting substance into something you're just going to slaughter in five minutes? I mean, one just doesn't shove about blowjobs in his pregnant fucking check. So. Yeah, that was a that was an interesting. They really were trying to go as far as possible to make that guy like just king douche of the universe. The part when they was like, the character's like, any last words? And then he just ran away, my unborn baby. I'm like, what the f- what? The fuck just what? Did none of that make what that make oh, my brain hurt in that moment. Yeah. Was he dating Brittany or like was he trying to rape Brittany? Like, what was their relationship? I don't know, because then she like she secretly liked Bug and But due to the hierarchy of high school, it could not be. Like what? I, I never saw know. any of this shit at, at in high school. Like, did we just go to like a weird high school where nobody cared, or was I just blind to this shit? I think again that re- that goes back to the fact that it's a guy. It admit you know no no fucking shade on Russ Craven, but a much older gentleman trying to write for high school. So it's I feel like maybe back when he was a kid, it may have been like that. Obviously, we have plenty of films from that era that depict what high school more than likely could have been like back then. But how it is now, no. <laughs> and even less now from what I hear what the younger generation that could care less about late well could and could not at the same time care about labels. Oh yeah. That's another can of worms that I don't want to open right now. Yeah. There's a reason I said could and could not, and I'll let you guys figure that out on your own. Yeah. Ah yeah, i we'll we'll get to it. But yeah, yeah, I got a lot of beef with that part of the movie. Yeah. Um now, this is more of an interesting thing I wanted to talk about because I want to see what you think of this uh, this bit of marketing. So in, an is- in an interesting attempt to promote the, uh, the film, Rogue Pictures staged a fake stabbing, which showed a man being stabbed, air quotes, stabbed in front of Wes Craven and the rest of the cast at the premiere using a plastic knife. Um, this was uploaded to a then very early in its days YouTube. And um yeah, 2010 folks. And um 
had to eventually get confirmed because of it to be fake later. Because this was that time when if you posted on YouTube, people pretty much thought it was real. Um, now we can call bullshit. We are savvy, but back then. That is really ill-advised. Right. And also, like, Scream 2. <laughs> like, just, Wes, come on, man. It was what was he was he in on that? I don't know. It just says rogue pictures. The company staged it. So they may have told I don't know. It could have been they told him like, hey, this is what we're doing. And he may I know in a lot of cases marketing is done out by a whole different department, kind of outside of these people. Um, which is weird to me. But um so it could have been something like they told him that that that, he, that was what they were planning to do. And um he probably was like, I don't. And you're like, well, what we're doing. He's like, okay, fine. Fuck it. Whatever. Film's coming out anyway. I would love if they didn't tell him. If marketing department was like, hey, let's let's make it look like someone's about like gets killed in front of Wes Craven. You know, this older man with, you know, some health conditions. It, let's go. Let's go fake stab a guy in front of him. That's a great idea. Oh, hard in the paint. Hard in the paint. You know, something's got to, we got to do something to overshadow this piece of shit movie. That's insane. And you can never do that shit now. I mean, like, take Smile, for instance. You just got weird people smiling in a crowd at a baseball game now. Like, that's okay. Yeah. And it, it did, in that case, it was simple and effective. I remember people talking about it forever. Like, <laughs> but then they had, remember the the marketing for it? Where they had people dressing up like scary ass clowns, it got super out of hand, and a lot of people got hurt. That that backfired very quickly. Yeah, viral marketing is a fickle game, and yeah, you got to do it right, or it's going to get out of control. I look. I would argue the it thing was great because now I had I get shit like Mr. Nightmares, you know, three scary clown encounters. I'm like, hey, look, now I got new content for my Mr. Nightmares. Dude, while I was living, um, that happened when I was um in my senior year of college, and there wasn't a there was a clown attack in the development next to mine. Like somebody got like somebody broke into somebody's apartment as a clown and like assaulted somebody. I was gonna say the shit escalated bad because at first it was like just the marketing. I remember they had to confirm that, like, hey, we're just doing some marketing, you know. Sorry about that. But then, like, when it's, I remember when it started getting to the point where, like, there were reports of the clowns scaring people and actually attacking people. And then a couple of cases, not a lot, you know, but still more than it should have been, as in it happened more than once. Uh, it's, or it happened once, really. You know, that's more than what it needed to. People were getting assaulted and killed. Um, and then I remember they had to come by, like, hey, whoa, that is not us. We are not involved with that. I'm glad they said that, but it would have been insane if they're like, Yes, we hired every clown that's committing these atrocities, but we did advise them, please don't do that. And now they are doing that. And yeah, that's us, but uh, our bad. You guys still going to watch our movie? Yeah, Don't miss it. May 2017. It's going to be a blast. That, oh. No questions, please. <laughs> that's insane that someone like a clown broke into the fucking new, uh, complex next to yours of the development or said next to yours yeah i got the alert on my phone of like clown related assault happening like in san marcus and i'm like i know that development i know where that is <laughs> and it was freaky i mean can you imagine a worse nightmare like not only is someone breaking into your apartment and attacking you it's a goddamn clown god 
Dude, some okay, so look, some of those videos I've watched are actually kind of creepy. Like, especially the ones where like there's one of those like a ring camera where there's a clown on this guy's porch and he's just like looking through the door and stuff. And it's it's all through a ring camera. Luckily the clown just left. I was like, what the fuck? And then like people like one guy like that go he was gonna follow and he like he goes home and he looks out the window and the clown's just standing outside the window looking at him. I'm like, what the fuck was going on with this shit, man? It did lead to one of the funniest tweets I ever saw, though. It was some lady who went, these aren't even real clowns. They're just people dressed up like one. And somebody tweeted at her, bitch, what is an actual clown? (laughs) (laughs) So worth it. Worth it for that. (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah. You know, if there's anything we did survive, it was the great clown marketing debacle of uh, 2017. Yeah, there was a time suck on that. Like one of the early episodes was about like clowns because, you know, Dan Cummins is terrified of clowns. So he did a whole thing on clowns. and He talked about the cl- the great clown scare of 2017. It was so I, weird. It was a really it was a scare. I remember hearing constant articles about it. And like I said, the the guys for it had to like put out a statement like it got real for a second. First it was like, oh, ha, ha, it's just clever marketing for the movie. Ha ha ha. And then I was like, wait, what the fuck's going on? People were actually getting assaulted. Yeah, actually, it's the great, it's a great setup for a great horror movie. You know, viral marketing for a clown movie gets wildly out of hand. People start getting attacked. Yeah, yeah, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hollywood, start working on it. Um, but don't do a viral marketing for that one. Like just do yeah. trailers. Don't make the movie eat itself. Like just don't ride that one up. Yeah. <laughs> well, in this case, where it's that marketing ploy, even though it got scary, did work out for it. Did not work out for this film. Um, this one, like we said earlier, it barely made a splash at the box office. Um, with it claiming the lowest opening of a 3D film released in over 1,500 venues. So I guess maybe we can thank this for the 3D market kind of dying off pretty quickly. We can thank a lot of post-converter 3D films for the 3D market dying off. Um, Because for every bad, you know, look, I, I know you're going to say, I just saw Charles and 3D, which is technically post-converted. Differences, they worked with John, or not, not John Carpenter, holy shit. They worked with Steven Spielberg to ensure that it looked good. And guess what? I was actually shocked at how good that film looked in 3D. And the water being like right in my face. Yeah, they did the same thing with Jurassic Park. Yeah. It was That's amazing cool. how much more terrifying, you know, with the water in your face, me thinking like, oh shit, the shark's gonna eat me. Um I'm drowning. Yeah. Oh my god, I'm in a theater and I'm drowning. <laughs> I just start like like gasping for air. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> brushes my leg. Oh god. That'd be a weird phone call to get. Um oh yeah, Caleb's in the mental ward. He he thought he was drowning in the movie theater. Now he doesn't know what reality is. <laughs> the 3D was too good. He's also still intending to record the podcast. They're tr- he's trying to let them. He's trying to let them bring a microphone and a laptop into the hospital, but he's it's an uphill struggle. Ah, <laughs> <sighs> god damn it! Well, the only solace, not for me, uh, for many fans. Was this wasn't the celebrated filmmakers filmmakers final film before his untimely death? It's pretty much all we got out of this was like, oh, thank God he did scream for. <laughs> <laughs> and 
And even for most, a lot of people, it was, oh, shit, he did screen forward. I like screen forward, but that's me. Move over, Ripper, Ghostface is back in town. And then not for a while until we finally got five cream years later. I haven't called that movie Scream, I think, one time. I've been calling it Five Cream pretty consistently since the trailer dropped. I know. I ho- I really hope to God the next one's called Scream 2, just to fuck with people. It probably will be. Or like Screams or something like that. <laughs> two Scream? Too hard? I don't know. Scream 2, Stab 6. <laughs> Scream to stab harder. <laughs> scream with the vengeance. A good day to scream. Live free or scream hard. <laughs> that actually sounds like a porn parody of Live Free or Die Hard now that I'm saying it out loud. <laughs> oh, yeah, whatever it is, I'm sure it'll be neat and not horrifically rushed and really feeling incomplete because Nev Campbell said no. You sound like it won't sound like the opposite of everything you just said. Uh Uh-huh. No, I said I said it won't be. So it's okay. We'll see. I I don't know. We'll find (laughs) out. I mean we got Hayden Pants here coming back as Kirby and that made me very happy. So there you go. Hey Hashtag justice for Kirby, okay? She's been a licensed screen for goddammit, and she is back. Um, but on that, that's all I have for this particular Russ Craven film. I sold the take. Are you ready to do awards? Which I feel like were a simultaneous mix of easy and hard because mainly because there's so much on every single category you can pick from. Yeah, you're right. Let's do this. All right, let's start with the Zack Snyder view again. I got nothing. I got no cheeky comment other than um, Snyderverse continues to be dead. Don't think it's happening again. I know the Black Adam trailer is giving y'all guys hope. You're idiots. Uh, I hope you break your fingers so you can never pick up a camera again. Jesus Christ. All right. I got, first... this, I got this week covered for the Snyder burn. Don't worry. Yeah, okay, we're seen. What do you got after that? Oh, boy, okay. So there are some contenders here. Uh, this movie's like a Lego castle of bad scenes. And uh, I ultimately went with the big reveal because it is so painfully fucking obvious that Alex is the killer. I mean, literally, they go downstairs and the guy who's not in the room, you know, the killer's there killing around and then he goes upstairs and he just comes back in the window like, whoa, what happened? I, I you know, I turned around and you were gone. Like, are you, I really, are we really playing this? We're going to, we're going to play this shit for like 10 minutes. Like it, it's yeah, it's pretty obvious. And I was like, this is the, the big, you know, I was hoping it was going to be like, oh, the killer never died and he's been fucking with him the whole time or something like that. I thought it was going to be his sister or something. Anything but the best friend who yeah, it just it. The rug pull didn't make me fall. Well, it doesn't. The rug pull sucks, and everything following that sucks. Like the the when he kills Alex, just was a quick. It felt like a quick resolution. Then the whole voiceover, like Leia uh, screwed everything away. I'm now a hero, but I don't feel like it. But I will be for Alex. And I'm like, what? Oh, and all of a sudden, Leia's just a super nice sister who's giving him a hug. 
like she's been nothing but like queen bitch the entire movie and all of a sudden it's like you did it we're free like no and was the whole town just waiting outside the house for all this to shit to happen yeah and do they believe in it with the way they're reacting like i thought the whole point of ripper day was like it's just these kids and everyone else is fucking tired of it like that was the vibe i got yeah but that's never fully explained so you're just like does the town believe it? Do they not believe it? I don't. I don't understand. Cause the adults are acting like they believe it. They're all feel for of the fucking day. I was hoping, uh, in the end, when you know Alex comes through the window, which is that just a part of teenage life I missed, just climbing through people's windows. No, no, I never did that. I knocked on the door and hoped they were home. Yeah. Like happened in Scream. Happened, I think, in Elm Street a couple times. Is that just what Wes Craven thinks teenagers do? Maybe, maybe it happened to him, and he's just like, "This is what friends do." He climbed his friend's window, and they were like, "That was awesome! This is so cool!" And that he just held on to that for I, his entire life. <laughs> I, you know what? That inspires me. I'm just going on one day, just not even go through my front door. I'm just going to climb through Josh's window, which is right next to the front door. I'll probably freak the fuck out and punch you. Worth it. <laughs> That's what, if, if I'm just sitting. In my bedroom and somebody climbs through my window even if i recognize them my first thought is going to be holy shit and i'm going to hit them with something and then i'm going to request josh not go through the front door either and then him walk past the front door to my window and then climb through my window oh but anyway uh yeah i just thought yeah that was weird when his friend climbs through the window and is like hey i killed my stepdad and of course Bug's reaction is, oh you need a glass of water let me go handle that for you i oh i could go on about fucking reactions and but when he goes downstairs i was hoping they'd keep cutting back to alex being like i wonder where that water is like you know some fight with the ripper and then cut back to alex like getting pretty thirsty up here should i go see what's going on down there i did a lot of work down there i'm thirsty now (laughs) so yeah i was like the whole ending is just like you could have done so much better with this there were so many better options than like the best friend Come on, buddy. Come on, Wes. You're better than this. What are you, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm actually glad you put this on because I had this and one other thing right now. So I was like, I can't decide what on this bookend shit sandwich I hate more. Um. So because you went with that, and I absolutely agree with you, and I don't want to reiterate any points that you already hit, I picked my backup was the opening prologue, the opening scene that sets all of this that sets up the main events because just like how like you're kind of talking about with the climax right it's a it's a shitty reveal that you kind of you see coming and the all the payoff afterwards is like oddly convenient and rushed and makes no goddamn sense this opening is clearly meant to like set up the events of the film and does the most piss poor job it can do of it but by explaining nothing um I remember watching it, and I'm like, the first like two minutes, I'm like, okay, okay, yeah, I got a loving dad, telling something maybe the Ripper's gonna come in and fuck up their lives. Probably what's gonna happen, and then without fucking warning, it's he is talking to himself. He is in a different room completely. At one point, he is like down in the basement. Now he's in the bathroom. He's calling a doctor that's trying to explain stuff. Like shit's just piles piling on, piling on, piling on. More shit's happening. More shit's happening. At no point is this film pausing to go like. Okay, so by the way, this is why this is happening. Oh, he has PTSD. One of those is a killer. Um, like none of this is getting explained. It just fucking keeps going 
and going and going and going until finally the title pops up and then the main part of the film starts and you're like, what the fuck did I just watch? Yeah, I'm with you, man. It's I also the film never tells us what happened to that guy. Like the body's never found. Nobody dredged the river. Everyone just kind of assumed like, well, I guess he's gone. Case closed. Which is not how investigations are supposed to work. Um, my favorite part of the opening is when the therapist is like, yeah, like to the cop, do you have to be so heartless? Can't you give the man a handshake? And Frank Grill is like, yeah, okay, just this once. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> this, this is a homicide suspect who's killed like 15 people and you just shot and the and now you're going to be like, well, bygones are bygones, I guess. You know, you can't have hate in your heart. It's it's so weird. It's so weird. And then it's like the way they're acting, like, did they know about this personality that's a killer? Did they not? I can't tell. Like, no one's re- Again, this is where I go back to where, like, no one acts like a fucking human being in this movie. Yeah. How um, much did the judge from Ghostbusters 2 really know about this? He was the therapist and it was very distracting. <laughs> Um, I thought it was great at the beginning where, you know, we see, oh, he's got, you know, he's got a pregnant wife. He's building a dollhouse and a rocking horse because he's father of the fucking year. <laughs> like, just to hammer home how much of a good papa he is. And then to turn around with, oh, and I'm also the serial killer because I found this knife and the serial killers in my head being like, don't you dare say anything or I will kill our whole family. Like, what? Oh, why? <laughs> Yeah, and 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 again, it kind of goes back to what I was talking about my comment Wes Craven earlier. And in a couple of cases, Shocker again is the one where I thought I like to point out it doesn't. It does kind of the same thing where like, it just keeps happening, and you're like, what the fuck is going on? But even then, like, there was just something about Shocker that it worked weirdly enough that you kind of you. I can't explain. Like, you kind of are like, I don't, I don't know why he's making these choices, but I'm kind of on board with it. Craven really likes to do the the bad guy had children trope. He really likes to do that. Uh, you know, scream, shocker, this thing. Like it's it's like his, you know, his bread and butter, his go-to. If he gets written into a corner, he's like, ah, boom, evil kids. Yeah. I mean, technically he didn't write it, but eventually Nightmare on Elm Street, it you know, we got revealed, you know, Fred, Freddy's daughter. You're like, God damn it. Grant, he didn't write it. It's a sequel but which one was that it was freddy's dead oh see i don't even <laughs> yeah again not not something he wrote but i'm like he he helped birth this franchise so it's like well fuck even that got tainted with that storyline down the line well i mean technically speaking they're all his children so i mean there you go god damn it <laughs> uh but yeah it's it's just it's weird here and, uh, I, you know, the, the implication of like his soul went into all of them or just one of them. And if it's if it's Alex and why is Bug having like visions of the rest of them or. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, I guess it was like his souls and all of them and he needed to kill them to get it back. It was like I thought they were going to reveal that the soul went into the went into Frank Grillo. Because he was like the closest there and the killer would have the most beef with him. So that w- that's what I would have done. Like Frank Grillo was the reincarnated Ripper the whole time. Yeah. But no. And I, I don't know. Nothing's fucking. You know what really irritated me the most about the opening? The fucking like wisecracking Abbott and Costello paramedics. 
Oh yeah. I don't know what the fuck that was. It uh, it's no weird choice the film made that doesn't make sense. And wasn't one of the Paramax and I Guerrero that pops up later in the movie? No, she's like Grillo's partner or something. Oh, okay. I thought it was same actress. Yeah, no, it fuck this opening. Like if this is what you reshot it to, god damn it. I don't know how this is any better than what tested negatively. I don't know. I got to go to a film premiere one time and it was a really bad movie. Uh, I don't know how much I'm allowed to say, but I, cause it was, it was a personal, like a, I'll tell you when we're done recording, but uh, it was interesting. Okay. Well, on that note, let's move on to our next word. The Ed Wood, the worst line. What do you got in this atrocious dialogue? So since I didn't feel like typing the entire script into my phone, which is what I could have done here, um, I decided to just narrow it down to one. And it is from those wisecracking paramedics. So this happened like not even three minutes into the movie. And I was like, I already have this. This is going to (laughs) suck. So it's uh, they come into the room and, you know, the the rippers lying on the on the floor there. And somebody goes, you know, he's dead. And one of the paramedics goes, so is Elvis. You never know. Like, this is the time to be be cracking wise. I mean, this man murdered a lot of people and there's a dead pregnant lady in the bed right now. Like, should we maybe be a little more serious about this? It's a cracking a joke about a singer that died on the toilet. Yeah, this is, you know, and we all know Elvis isn't dead. He just went home. He's helping Bigfoot out. <laughs> he is Bigfoot. That'd be the, the biggest reveal, wouldn't it? Like, Elvis, like Bigfoot is actually just a very hairy, out, like out of shape old Elvis who just has been living in the woods. God, the the ideal that all those fucking mag- those magazine people that write these crazy stories. God, the the unison of joy you'd hear in the country from those people. We were right. The headline: Bigfoot captured, and it's just Elvis looking like like drunk and like his eyes glazed over. He's super fucking hairy. He's in his like weird Vegas cape outfit, <laughs> but it's like unbuttoned. His screams are just really the his incoherent screams that we all thought were terrifying Bigfoot noises, or just him trying to say his lines. Just <laughs> him trying to sing, fucking yeah. like in the ghetto. <laughs> oh my god! I ain't oh, no put a hound dog, but now it's like, oh. oh. <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> but yeah, that was my line. I was like, if this is what we're in for, I'm good luck keeping me interested. Yeah, that's that's a good pick. My yeah, it oh, I had so much right now. There's a lot of bad dialogue. A lot of, I had a lot of but um the guy who was obsessed with blowjobs. Oh, like Brandon, right? Yeah, I had, I had a lot of his dialogue down because I was like, "Dude, calm down! Like, you're wanting this way more. Like, you're you clearly haven't received one, and you won't shut up about it. Like, stop." Yeah, and the best way to do it is you just pick a lady and just constantly pester her and just get on your knees and be like, "I'm begging you," because he does that a couple times. Yeah, like I'm begging you, please let me just know what it feels like to fill your mouth and my heart, dick. Apparently that's how he hooked up. Like that's how he banged the the principal's daughter. He, she was saying like he he just begged me. Like this dude is so bad. He has no game. He's just like please, 
because he looks, you know, he's the quarterback. Women are like, okay, but that's his game. He's just like, please, please. I'm, I need to look cool, please. Oi. <laughs> that's not what I wrote down. It's not what I picked ultimately. <laughs> I picked something towards the end of the film. I actually have to do with the reveal. And it's mostly because of delivery, but it's when Alex, after telling Bug he killed his stepfather, which we never really linger on. We're like, ah, I killed my stepdad. And then we just keep blow- blowing through it, which I'm, I'm like, I get it. So that was a piece of shit, but still like, okay, we're just going to blow through that information. Um, the It's what he said shortly after that. And it's because of delivery. And that's when he just is like, it's not okay for everyone to be killing each other all the time. And I'm like, what a revelation. Yeah, I'm like, okay, one, the delivery was pretty shitty, and two, what do you mean all the What? You see I, that as if it's like a COD turn, like a Call of Duty tournament, and you're like, guys, we gotta stop shooting our teammates. I hope one day to write something that brilliant and, pro- and profound. I truly do. Did you know that killing is bad, and it makes people feel bad? Because I didn't know till I watched this brilliant piece of work. This is... <laughs> This is something you say when you're a teenager and you go to those paint park fucking uh, parks that have the different battlefields and you get the one guy that's just shooting all the teammates because, oh, funny. That's when this line dog would be okay. Like, bro, it's not okay, man. Stop it. We got to win. But in a serious horror film where people have, like, died. And people killing each other. There's one person killing specific people it's like yeah, it's, this is not, not a spree by the whole town here it's this is not you. the purge this is not battle royale happening in your town it's one guy it's, yeah. it's one serial killer who is you by the way you're the one killing everybody it's like what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> yeah you're doing this yeah. it reminded me of um uh peter farrelly's acceptance speech for green book where he basically said like racism is bad and we have to do something about it. <laughs> and <laughs> people were just like, "Yeah, did you just figure that out? <laughs> like, are you new to the to the to the team here? Because boy, do we have some literature for you. God damn, Peter, do we, don't go on TV and say that white savior shit. Do we have some history to show you, pal? <laughs> <laughs> I just found out what was it in uh in Get Him to the Greek." When he was like talking about apartheid, the whole African child thing, and he's like, "So I was wondering if like is this is this okay?" And I made some phone calls, and it turns out no, it isn't. <laughs> like it's, it's that kind of awareness that just makes me laugh consistently. Oh God! <laughs> yeah. So in case anyone's wondering, it's not okay for everyone to be killing each other all the time, even though in this movie it's one guy doing this whole thing, and and a a well-known serial killer, so it's kind of his MO to kill a lot of people all the time. Murder equals bad. Brought to you by Wes Craven. Until the purge happens in real life. Uh, on that note, we're going to move on to the Steven Seagal, the worst performance. Boy, who did you come up with? This was the most difficult one to do because everyone sucks in this movie uh but ultimately i i had to pretty much just uh go with character here and i went with emily mead as fang or leia or whatever this bitch wants to call herself i hate the queen bee trope so much and 
yeah, this was just like so unnecessary. Like the whole, you know, you know, they're going to make the the schedule for what everybody's supposed to do in the bathroom at like six. So nobody go in there. And then the reveal that he's like, she's his sister who's constantly just saying horrific shit and like ruining his life because he happened to be, you know, the son, like, you know, the innocent boy who ruined her life. Like it just didn't add up. Yeah. And then she never got hers or anything. Like at the end, she just gets to be like, Oh, my brother's okay. It's like, Where'd that come from? You literally kicked the shit out of him like an hour ago. Yeah, I, I watched you beat literally beat the living shit out of him in this movie not too long ago. <laughs> and then find out that you've set people up to bully him daily. And now all of a sudden you're like, hey, my brother should save the day. I'm like, I don't understand where this is coming from. It is so strange. And you, yeah, I it's not like it's not a horrible performance. It's not a great performance. There are no great performances in this. I just hated her character so much. And the way she's written is like all of that goes away in the third act because there's no room for it anymore. Like we yeah. have a new bad guy. It's the serial killer. But frankly, I hated her more. Yeah. We were supposed to believe that when he smashes up like the 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 rocking horse that all of a sudden that like changed her mind. I'm like, what? I was like, and also her reason, her the reason they gave us for her to hate him was like the shittiest excuse of because you're basically because of your innocence and i'm like how how that ruin your life i'm it's not my fault you're 19 and still in high school if it's because you fell to grade or two like it's not his fault maybe if you weren't organizing fucking mass bullying of your brother and focusing on your grades you'd probably get pretty damn far in life yeah she's created this entire empire dedicated to just you know getting him like getting back at him at high school for some reason it's it's so meticulous and odd and yeah that she's 19 and still in high school like also you're you know kind of a dumb shit yeah it's crazy and before uh, anyone comes at me about oh i also graduated high school when i was 19 so i can't say this okay i just think that it's it's implied she's clearly not applying herself yeah and, and she's apparently like i said she is smart the fact that she got a whole high school that she has to like go through her about what's what to do to her brother every day. I'm like, so you are smart. It's there. You're just applying it in an evil, evil way. Well, like, why does anybody like, can't like listen to her? Like, what is, where's that come from? Like, there's no, you know, like, why does Brittany literally just like do whatever the hell she says? Like, yeah, including like, date who she says to date. Yeah. I'm like, are you supplying drugs to these schools? Like, what are you supplying to get them? Like, <laughs> Um, yeah, it's such an odd school. I mean, there's so many moments in this, in this like school, in the school scene specifically that don't make sense. Like the principal saying like, I'm going to have this kid sent to a psychiatric about like, uh, hospital because I have that power. And he's saying that to his mom, like, no, you don't guy. No high school principal has that power. Nobody, no high school principal has any power. He can expel him. He can suspend him he cannot send him to a psychiatric thing yeah it's 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 weird you could uh, at most have like the school nurse look at him and the school nurse could make a recommendation that he needs to get psychiatric evaluation that's about it yeah but you can't tell the kid's mom like i'm gonna send this kid away <laughs> yeah their high school principal bro like calm down <laughs> and apparently not a good one if you have a fucking bully ring 
empire going on here. Yeah. Well, you know, the, 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 the head bully is the quarterback who's, you know, you hear on the new, on the radio that he's like leading the team to victory. So of course nothing's happening to him. It's, you know, that, that weird high school hierarchy ship. Must be in Texas. Um, ah. Ah, ah, ah. I'm also from Texas. So don't come at me on that one either. Um, that's a good one. Mine, and I say this to someone who has seen this guy in our shit where he's not again, the few things I've seen of Bates until he's good in it. Don't I don't I I can't believe I'm saying this. It's probably because of Craven's direction. I don't know what the how the fuck this is coming out of my mouth. And this this movie is telling me though. Um, but I did put Max uh theory at our, our main character. Um Bug because <laughs> is he meant to be like a how do I say this? being uh a little mentally challenged is he is he meant to be that like i don't understand his character he still acts like uh, much younger than his age um and i think it is because you know he he was cut out of a dead woman so there was some oxygen deprivations that's that's what they kind of say they they allude to that at one point and yeah I'll, i'll buy that Right, but then it's like, if that's the case, why is he in, you know, we've we've all been to school. A lot of times in those situations, those kids have either, if they are with the, if they are integrated into all the classes with every other student, there's someone in there with that student, um, or they are separated and done with their own classes. That's at the discretion of the school. Um, So why wasn't that happening with him if he was within that, you know, that spectrum? And also, he does have moments of smartness where it's like, well, no, now he is acting his age. I don't. So it's very conflicting Inferino shit going on. And then you have the stuff where he gets randomly like possessed, I think, and starts like saying shit that's out of character. But it's like not that's never fucking brought up, never fucking actually really explored or anything. It just happens. And literally, there are scenes where it happens. Alex looks at him and then just goes, okay, and then moves on. I'm like, he just, he just had a deeper voice and talked way out of character, and you're just going to be like, oh, oh yeah, whatever. Yeah, there wasn't a really, uh, there wasn't a lot explaining him. I guess maybe it was that kind of like he's such a social pariah, nobody's paying attention to him, so no one's noticing he's using different voices of people who just died. Yeah, but even his best friend, who shouldn't be socially pariahing him, is just like, ah, oh, whatever. Yeah, but he's the killer. He doesn't give a shit. But you get the hint that he doesn't even know that he's the killer. Like, it's saying that he doesn't know it. Yeah, but is that just, is that mental illness? Or is that possession? I don't know, because this film doesn't want to explain its rules. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah. The whole, like, what bothered me was, like, the whole, uh, oh, give him two, give him an eight, give him, give him ten. Like, punching power, I assume. Yeah, that I was like, what the fuck? And then the constant, like, every time I really uh, enjoyed that thank you that they said every time they get hit, I'm like, stop. At first, I thought, like, it made sense when Alex did it. Like, okay. Oh, I was like, at first, I clicked, like, okay, it's just a coping mechanism to get through what he goes through with his stepdad. But then, like, there it's a bug kept doing it. I'm like, is this just something they do when they get hit? Why? I don't I don't know. This this movie makes no sense. It uh yeah, so and that's why I say I can't believe I'm saying this, but dare I say 
considering there's not a single good performer and some of these guys have gone on to do other shit and be good in it. I hot take I, Craven's direction. Hot take. I'm going, I'm fucking saying it. Craven's direction with these performances. There's two actors in this movie from Breaking Bad who perform fantastically in that show. But in this, they're like they're yet another hindrance. So. Yeah. So come at me all you will for those who listen. Do you know? Oh, it's Rush Craven. How dare you say that? I'm saying someone who absolutely adores Rush Craven, but I absolutely think his direction was not good in this movie. It's a shitty direction. Because there's not the fact that there's not a single good performer. That's a bad script and bad direction. That means they could not do anything to help make this, to elevate this in any way. Yep, you're right. You know, the buck stop, the buck's got to stop somewhere. Yeah, so it hurts to say it, but that's that's I'm putting my blame on. Um, but now for our next word, which is named after an actual not great director, um, especially after you touch a franchise you want to let go, uh, the Michael Bay first filmmaking decision. Oh boy, what did you come up with? Well, as Michael Bay once said, I'm gonna make this really fucking clear. Um, this movie focuses way too much on high school drama, on the pettiness of high school in a way that hasn't been accurate since the mid eighties. Uh, the whole fang zone shit, like all of that could have been, you know, cut. It's all, it all means nothing to the movie, like to the story we're telling here. It doesn't endear you to any characters. All it does is just kill time. Like this movie is half mean girls, half scream. It's so weird. I think, you know, like, why do I, I know so much about the fucking condor now because of this movie. It's, it's such a weird decision and just takes you out of it. And like the whole, you know, we got to get up, we got to get the phone back or else, you know, the girls might find it and we have, you know, dirt on fan. Like it's your sister. You should know some shit. Yeah. And that, and that's the thing. It's like, I'm doing that thing like, oh, okay, so this has been a recurring thing, trying to get dirt, dirt on Fang, right? And then they do the big reveal that Fang's his sister, and I'm like, one, that's stupid as shit. Two, then why even have that scene where he's trying to get dirt? Because it's your fucking sister, dude. You should have dirt already. Yeah. You live with her. It was weird, yeah. I, the Jesus girl, the bully, the blind kid who's in like three scenes, but is somehow hugely important to the end of the movie. At least he's supposed to feel like it. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I hated all of that. Yeah, and that has superpowers, which is like, oh, it's so so. How do you know this time? Oh my, like, oh my god. Some I'm gonna all right. Somebody has to finally say this. I'm gonna say this now. Not every blind person is Daredevil. They they don't have superpowers. They they can't do that. I hate that movies portray disability as some sort of like, you know, extra superpower for something else. It's so weird and it just makes, you know, it makes people look bad. Yeah. And then, like, and let's get this right. So let's say the original plot, right? The, the ideal is that these kids have a, I guess, a soul of the killer, right? A piece of his soul, I'm assuming. Why is, why do we never really get that many scenes of all seven of them interacting? And for that first kid who dies on the bridge, like, did we even see him before that happened? I don't remember. 
he I think we got like one scene. It was when they're doing the whole telling of the story in the woods. And something that, again that's not explained. That Why is Bug dude, even there if literally everyone who's at that thing is constantly giving him shit for just being alive? Like, why did he even go to that? I, I don't know. Just to then turn, turn around and be like, oh, I messed it up. I, I got scared. I, I unleashed the demon. The demon. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? I remember saying at that point in general, still thinking, thinking, okay, that was a confusing opening. Hopefully it will explain. No, I was still going, now what is this movie? What? He got scared? They're containing it. What? Like, you do this every year. You know it's a puppet. Like, why are you scared of this? Yeah. Because then again, I'm like, so are you implying that they legitimately think this is real? Like, what? What? I don't know. I don't know. Oh, yeah. This There's so many questions. So many. Which leads really to my pick that I put down for this. I just put in look trade up this entire film's execution is what I put the entire film's execution, especially from a writing directing standpoint with the name attached to this. So your your Michael Bay award is basically just it sucks. Yeah, fuck this movie. It's terrible. <laughs> I've never watched a film where I wanted to get up and bash my head against the wall to get it out of my head as much as I, when I was watching this one. It really is, you know, if this had just been some no-name schmuck, I could probably let a lot of this slide, but this is Wes Craven. Like, this is, you know, horror royalty, one of the greatest horror filmmakers of all time, turning in a D-paper. And, like, this is the guy who's already written so many masterpieces. Like, why are you giving me this schlock? I thought we were friends. I thought you understood us. If this was a paper he handed me, I wouldn't give it a D. I'd be like, this is ungradable. That's how shitty it is. Come back to me when something's good. You get a do better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. God. Yeah, I agree with you, man. It's horribly executed. Like, I don't. Was there a second take at any point? I did. No one sit there and go like, hey, Wes, why are you going to explain this? Not really. Okay. Okay. What about that? You gonna explain that? No. Right. Well, how about you explain? Okay, you're not gonna explain. Okay, okay. Fuck me, right? <laughs> yeah, I wonder how many actors were like, really? Like, who signed on just to be, just to be able to say like, I worked with Wes Craven? How many unironically, for once, asked in their life, "Hey, what is my motivation?" Actually, I was just thinking that. Why, Wes? Why? <laughs> you think he chuckled? Like, ha, 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 ha. That's a good one. They're like, no, no, seriously, Wes. Why? I don't. The scene we're shooting makes no sense what we did yet. Why? He pulls out a checkbook. That's why. Now read it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry. Sorry, your, your favorite filmmaker did this <laughs> it hurts and not like a, it hurts so good it it hurts bad he did this to you and he did this to me and he did this to all of us <laughs> i the the vitriol i can say for some of my reviews with some horror films i watched i never thought 
would carry over into a Wes Craven film. It hurts. It hurts a lot. Yeah. I don't think it has. I don't think it's happened. No. Wait. Okay. I know it's going to happen when I watch some Robert Zemeckis later films, but I haven't yet. So it hasn't happened to me yet, but I know it's going to. All right. Duly noted. Yeah. Like when we do Pinocchio or, you know, anything he's done from the last like six years, it's going to happen. Duly noted for the podcasts. I had to get hurt on this one. <laughs> well, that leads to uh, the next thing, which based off my first filmmaking decision, I'm sure you're like, is there any positive that you had for this movie? Um, but the, uh, the silver lining, the one fucking positive, did you come up with anything whatsoever? I did. Um, I felt the order of victims was fairly unpredictable, and I was surprised at who died and when. I was not expecting the Jesus girl to go so fast, nor the bully or, you know, the hot girl possible love interest. I thought they were all going to make it to, like, the final three, but they were the first to go. And that was a bit of a shock and surprising, but also left us nothing nothing else to hold on to besides Bug and his dumb friend. So... That kind of sucked, but I was like, oh, shit, they killed the bully. Oh, shit, the hot girl's dead. So I did have those moments where I was, like, a little surprised. Fair enough. I do think it's funny because you're right. Once it kills them, we have to then really focus more on Bug. I didn't realize when we cut to Bug at his house after school, the entire rest of the film stays there. And it, I was watching, like, oh, we're not escaping this house now. We are, like, we are locked in. <laughs> I guess class is canceled. <laughs> School's out. Forever. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I wanted my Leia death scene. I did not get it. Fair enough. Um, yeah, that's that's a good one. A bit of a reach, but I'll I'll give it to you. Um, Believe me, I had to I had to grab my you know my gopher thing and reach. <laughs> okay. Well, mine, I'm sure you're curious. That's what I just gave for my first filmmaking decision. I have, a, I have an idea where you're going with this. I'm just, I'm waiting to see if I'm right. Mine is uh, the simple fact that this wouldn't be Wes Craven's final film before his death. I personally really like Screen 4, so thank fucking God that that is the film he went out on. Thank you, Lord, that this is not the piece of shit. <laughs> I have to live with as his final uh, c- c- contribution to cinema. <laughs> I was close. I thought you were going to say the mere fact that you never have to watch this again. That too. Now that I'm thinking. <laughs> but that makes sense. Yeah, this could have been his swan song, but thankfully he had one more left in him. It was like, you know, it was like when Darth Vader finally turns back to Anakin and throws the Emperor down the Death Star shoot. It was like Wes Craven had a remember who you are moment <laughs> and it's like i can still do it i can i can make things right <laughs> and he made scream for <laughs> i still got it i still got it like when thor caught the hammer in endgame and he's like i'm still worthy it's like yeah wes we still love you you did this but we still love you yeah we still love you just don't ever fucking need my soul to take again 
And uh, well, then he died before he could do anything else. But that's not the point. Um, now I can only hope again tying this back to how we talked mentioned him and Russ Craven earlier. For the love of God, give Russ Craven dead space so that his final film isn't the Ward Carpenter. Carpenter, sorry, Carpenter. And you know what? Give a what? A, we'll bring in dead actors back to life. Give Russ Craven. <laughs> I'm sure he's got some some scripts tucked away somewhere that the estate is holding on to. We can shoot a goddamn movie with James Dean somehow. Fucking why not now? Yeah, well, as I learned with Halloween Kills, you know, we can bring back Donald Pleasance with a sound alike and a very good mask. Yeah, and, you know, evil dies tonight. Um, evil dies tonight. <laughs> gotta say it twice. <laughs> gotta say it a lot. <laughs> um... But yeah, like give let's not have Carpenter go out with the ward. Let's let's give him a redo also. Um before he can anymore. But yeah, that's that's my silver lining. He said thank thank fucking God. Thank you, God. Yeah, I agree. Good call. And yeah, well, unless you have anything else, I think it's time to move on to uh our next segment, and that is what's in the box. The reviews were a lot more uh, mixed than I expected for my soul to take. I think there's a lot of Wes Craven purists out there who will not let anybody talk shit about their favorite horror director, Daddy. And you know what? That's just not healthy. Yeah, he's one of my favorites, but come at me trying to tell me that you think this is a good movie. Fucking give me an actual compelling argument. <laughs> uh, 2.4 out of 5 on Letterboxd. Which seems higher than I expected. This seems to be a zero point five at the like the bare minimum. Ouch. Uh, be hard. I have four for you. No one should see this movie, but go on. <laughs> Here's all right. This first one's from Sam Kench. Why did no one tell Wes Craven that high school kids don't still do show and tell? The, the depiction of high school life in general is embarrassingly embarrassingly out of touch and unbelievable. The prologue is some of the worst pacing and editing I've seen in quite some time and terrible dialogue like this is for shut the fuck up delivered as a cool one liner. And it doesn't improve all that much after the time jump. The casting is awful, too. The jock bully guy looks the same exact same as both of the nerd kids. And I couldn't tell any of them apart. And Craven made the blind kids shout. I'm blind in the first scene because there wasn't any other possible way to convey that information. <laughs> <laughs> I'm at least glad the Jesus girl got killed off early. This was so much worse than I thought a Wes Craven horror movie could ever be. One star. I even I completely forgot that the blind kid is like, I'm blind in the first scene. So you're like, oh, so he's the blind kid. I forgot about that. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. Well, we know he's blind. <laughs> glad we know that. Yeah. And it is weird that like I've never my entire school career, from elementary school to, you know, fucking college, not once have I ever done show and tell. Yeah. I've, I've never once. It's, a, like, it's an elementary thing, and even then, I don't recall doing it for elementary. Not once. I sure as shit didn't do it in high school. No. You think <laughs> this my is my condor costume. I made it myself. Yeah. It's like, no, we're a bunch of moody, hormonal teenagers. We don't have time for show and tell. We want to go... Oh. A lot of those idiot kids are going to be like, you know, show and tell this dick or some shit like that. 
Show it to my penis. Ask me about my winner. <laughs> hey, ask me about my winner. I'm happy. I'm the happiest. <laughs> I love accepted. Oh, I'm so good. <laughs> um, number two. This is from Nathan West. If I want to watch a less than good Wes Craven film, I'll pop in my beloved Hills Have Eyes 2 or maybe Deadly Friend or Deadly Blessing. Something deadly, not whatever this is. I couldn't recount the plot of this movie if you paid me. Thanks, but this nonsense isn't for me. You can take it. I did learn a lot about the California Condor, so that's a positive. One and a half stars. (laughs) Yeah, briefly, this turns into a fucking like National Geographic on, on the Condor. Yeah, they even have a whole moment like, why did he pick that bird? It's not even the, the state bird. I'm like, why are we focusing on this fucking bird for so goddamn long? Yeah, it's it's it, the dedication to the condor is weird. It's it, so I guess because it eats dead things, so it's like it devours the soul. Because get it, souls are important to this movie. In case you didn't catch all the time, somebody talks about about a soul. And the title. Why did it have fucking James Brown playing the music at some point? Godfather of Soul. God damn it. Stop it. God. I do like how even people are like, I'll watch one of his other shitty films before I sit through whatever this is. Yeah, there's Wes Craven's, you know, there's there's Wes Craven's movies. Then there's his lesser known stuff. And then there's his pieces of shit. And then there's My Soul to Take. <laughs> it's like, it's at the bottom of the pecking order. And everybody seems to acknowledge that. Except for the wackadoos. <laughs> They're like, no, this is one of his best. I'm like, oh, God, no. If Freddy Krueger's real, I hope he gets those fuckers in their in their nightmares. <laughs> it's like, don't you talk that way about Wes. <laughs> we don't talk about that movie up here. <laughs> oh, okay, this next one's from Brett Arnold. You know the hit song, Don't Fear the Reaper? What my film presupposes is, what if ye did fear the Reaper? <laughs> Wes Craven pitching this. Uh, <laughs> the high school hierarchy and dynamics are so unbelievably bizarre here, almost as if they were written by an elderly man. It's so convoluted for no real reason. All the dialogue feels expository in the worst way. Quote, here's what's happening, everyone. Also, there's something off about all these kids being born on the same day. I went to a massive high school and nobody had the same birthday, let alone seven people. Uh, Real first draft energy here. Appreciate that Wes is exploring mental illness, but it needs another polish. Don't even get me started on the worst looking CGI blood I've ever seen. Also, I really love Letterboxd. Even a shit movie like this has a contingent of rabid fans who rate it five stars and have nothing but nice things to say. What a world. Two stars. He hit hit the nail on the head on everything. Ah. What a word. And this last one actually ties perfectly into that. This is from Mitch. (laughs) The the only thing I hate more than this movie are the reviews on this site saying it's a masterpiece. Half a star. (laughs) Yeah, I was shocked. I was looking at those myself because I I gave it a half a star in fucking Letterboxd. Um, I, I didn't, I don't, I, I've yet to make the jump to writing stuff, but I'm, I'm about it. I'm very tempted with this show to write my feelings on certain movies since I know we made the pact to not really do it on the website. And also just because I never have time to do a full review like the amount of films I watch. 
in a weekend that sometimes the letterbox option is kind of nice. Um, that's true. That's true. I'm thinking of doing it and like, you know, writing like the first paragraph and then like, you know, continued on filmgasm.com. Mm, I'm going to okay. do that. That'd be cool. All right. Um, but yeah, no, yeah, I don't, I was, I noticed that too. I'm like, why? And then I tried to read and they're like, I don't, it's an un- misunderstood cult masterpiece. It's so campy. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm like, look, you say what you wrote about Spookies, but you try to tell me which one's more entertaining to sit through. Spookies or this one, I'm going to I'm going to really question if you say fucking my soul to take. It's that contrarian mentality of like, you know, everybody says they love Nightmare and Scream and Hills Have Eyes. I'm going to say I love my soul to take, so I look smarter by comparison. I look like I have more intellectual intellectualism to offer. I hate contrarians so much. I hate anybody who likes what's the opposite of popular just for the sake of liking what's not popular. Those people can go fuck themselves. You have nothing to offer the conversation. And most of the time you're an asshole. So yeah, I think that's what's going on. here. Probably. That was, that was good. I like that. I'm out of five stars. I love how like, I love how all those reviews honed in on almost everything we fucking talked about. So we're not alone. <laughs> I do love that. I love when we end up finding like, you know, just kind of tying everything together with what's in the box. <laughs> oh, yeah, this was, this was beefy. This was beefy. Much more beefy than I thought. Um, but if you are, if that's all that's in the box, I say let's wrap it up and move on from this fucking movie. Let it go. Let's just let's rip it out. Let the wound heal and never speak of this again. And then only watch good Russ Griffin movies. Um, before I reveal what next week's episode is, um, be sure to follow us on social media. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under Filmgasm Productions. Um, if you want to shoot us a recommendation, feel free to email us at filmgasm at gmail.com. If you'd like to donate and support us in that way, you can find us on Anchor. Uh, finally, feel free to get on our site, filmgasm.com, for review shows, articles, and all of our episodes. Also, I want to do a quick plug as well um, because there's a certain horror film that's getting a uh, a, a bigger um, expansion this weekend. Um, check out our social media this coming weekend. We'll be hope we're doing our part to get the word out and uh, point out, hoping to put out a press release. Um, Bloody Disgusting's Terrifier 2, or Bloody Disgusting back, Damien Leone's Terrifier 2 is getting a second weekend at the theater um for those who weren't able to catch it last weekend you got a very it's about 700 uh plus screenings um so i know like in my case it was playing nowhere near me last weekend but it has an uncut unrated two and a half hour slasher film complete indie made 1.2 million in 700 plus screens which is pretty i know it doesn't sound it's that's fucking impressive um so it's it's getting another it's getting a second weekend into uh the theaters it's getting expanded i know it's now actually it's playing near me this time this weekend um it's the one that i'm sure you've been hearing about on social media about people fainting and vomiting and all that crazy stuff um so that's my plug if you didn't get to see it this past weekend theaters terrifier 2 check your you know fandango whatever you use to check movie theaters in your area and see if it's playing and continue to support and help this little film stand up and stack against like some major releases, you know, 
Um, that's pretty impressive what it's doing against like obviously bigger horror films. I have a little bit more marketing and uh studio output and try to see it in theaters while you can. You know, obviously I know after this the option to stream it's going to be available, but try to see it in theater support and you know, something I talk about a lot and we I know we've talked about in general, you know, if you want more original horror films, and I know this is a sequel technically. But if you want more original films and not just your Halloweens and your Friday 13th and your stuff dominating, or hopefully Friday 13th one day, um, dominating the box office, you got to go out and see these original um, smaller horror films and show the studios that we also want that. So, um, yeah, Terrifier 2, see if you see if it's playing there you and check it out. Yeah, do your part. You want yeah. you want to, you want horror to be to be a little bit different. You got to you got to go out and do something about it. Yeah. Go out and see it. And like I said, check our socials. Uh, we should be hopefully popping up that uh, press release we got for it on the socials uh, soon for this weekend. If you um, really want to support a film like Terrifier 2, what you got to do is dress up as a clown, go out, and just brutally harass people. It's the only way. As soon as you've seen Terrifier, you might want to calm down. There's <laughs> <laughs> some insane gory effects, and I've heard this, this sequel's even more insane. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. Um, I will. I'll watch it. And, uh, you know, since we're doing a little thing about it, I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can carve out some time and go see it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, so, yeah. So, he was playing there. Uh, Regals is what I think Regals is the one that's back in this particular promotion. So, they're the one to check out. Right on. Yeah. Um, so, with that, now that I got that little bonus out of the way, um, let's uh, talk about what's going to be next week. So, it's a little bit special. Um, go ahead and. Uh, busted out as everyone knows Connor is going to be on his little Germany trip so he will not be here next week so you're wondering who possibly is going to do this with me because Austin obviously has his hands tied with Oscar Sunday or not well we have a long missing member of the team finally back so I will be joined by my buddy filmgasm contributor who's finally pulling his weight god was he slacking uh, Josh Allred will be joining me to talk about one of a well-known indie producer Roger Corman's horror films, uh, Galaxy of Terror. Should be a lot of fun. I know he's he's ready to finally you know do something instead of being lazy and off in other countries. God, what a what a bum. I'm kidding, but I know he's excited to be back and do this. So it should be a lot of fun. Two straight weeks of not having to watch a piece of shit movie. It's gonna be nice. <laughs> I'm probably, I'm actually probably both going to like Galaxy of Terror because actually this has a pretty big cult following. It's more up my alley. Nice. Well, I'm glad he's back and I'm glad you guys are going to be able to cover this for me and have some fun. Yeah, should be a good time. Um, On Filmgasm, uh, we had an, a different film, but we changed it to make it more Halloween-y and I just simply forgot to change it in my script, but oh, caught myself. Um. <laughs> I love that you even told me you were gonna do that when we when we did uh the last episode. That was that's great. <laughs> yep. I as soon as I looked at it, I was like, I didn't do what I said I was gonna do. And you know what's funny? I was I I was taking my slip knots. I picked up the new slip knots video, right? And I was taking the songs off it, you know, putting it onto my phone. So I had my computer open and even told myself, like, okay, do this and then I'll get on the on the script and do what I need to. And then I never did that part that part. <laughs> Well, glad you caught yourself. <laughs> caught myself. I know what we're doing instead. Oh, um, making it a little more Halloweeny. 
making it more fun. And we are going to look at someone who's been in quite the hor- the headlines this couple of months for his new film. Rob Zombie is entering the Filmgasm podcast discussion, formerly for the first time with his debut feature film, House of a Thousand Corpses. Um, I know this is a personal personal favorite of mine, so I will be talking quite highly about it. I cannot speak on behalf of whoever joins me. <laughs> that that'll that'll be me. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Who 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 else? This is pre-Germany. Me. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> I yeah. I forget when you leave for Germany. Leave me alone. Yeah, well, I'm excited. I've never seen this, uh, and I've heard quite some uh some some big things. So, you know, buckle up. This is not your grandma's horror film. This is a uh, quite a ride. It'll, oh yeah. This is this is interesting. It's a personal uh, favorite of mine, and most people probably think I'm quite gross for loving the film as much as I do, but I can't help myself. Um on Oscar Sunday. We'll be looking at the international sensation, which made a splash and broke barriers at that year's Oscars, uh, Parasite, which is a wonderful film if you haven't seen it, seen it yet. And I won't say shit about it because I don't want to ruin it. Anyone who hasn't seen it yet. Oh yeah, it's it's a ride. If you haven't seen Parasite, like it's it's such an original, creative genre bender that everyone should should see. It really is that kind of a movie. Uh, I'm so excited to do this. We've been wanting to do this since we started the show. So Parasite's a long time coming and it'll be great to, you know, take a hiatus from Oscar Sunday right off of a best picture showdown. Can't wait. Yeah. I will say this is also a best picture showdown, I believe. Right. Yeah. We're doing it a, a week early so I can do it before we go to Germany, before I go to Germany. Uh, otherwise, you know, 125 right in the middle of the trip. And that's just bad luck. So we swapped them. Okay. Hell yeah. Well, look forward to that. And actually, that uh, that's one of the few Oscars that I actually enjoyed, but I actually enjoyed quite a bit of the films that came out that year. So I've actually seen a good chunk of that year's Oscars for once. Um, not usually something that happens. Uh, but on that, until then, uh, be careful if you're the son of a small town's infamous killer. Don't want to get possessed and start killing everyone. See you next week on Beyond the Bed.